What's up, Sifters? It's Game Face, episode 68. This is one of the best episodes we've had, we've had all year. All the big games are coming out, and we're going to talk to you about them tonight. On the docket tonight, we got Watch Dogs 2, and we're going to get you up to date on all the latest Switch news. And we're going to give you some first impressions on Ubisoft's Steep and Pokemon Sun and Moon. And then we're going to close out the show with some Dishonored 2. You know what time it is. Let's do it. What's up, Sifters? Before we get on with the show, I want to mention something. As you guys probably know, we have been running a Sifted Fantasy Football League all season long. Haven't given any updates about the league at all. I don't know why. I just haven't. Uh, first of all, I want to say I'm in first place. <laughs> <laughs> but just barely. Uh, some of the guys in the league have been doing really, really well. And probably next week I'll give you an update to kind of show you everyone's records and see how the playoffs are uh, shaping up. By no means am I guaranteed to win this league. The guys have been doing a great job. I've been really impressed with how they've been playing. But there's a couple people who have been slacking. And in fantasy football, if you're not starting your team, it can ruin the whole league. And there's a couple guys who are not starting their team. And a couple of the guys who aren't starting their team are still can still make the playoffs. So I don't know what's going on, but start your team, people. It can ruin the whole league. And I know some of you guys are new and you may not realize that. But if you're not starting your team and you're giving other people wins... You know, that messes up other people who need other people to lose. So make sure you're starting your team in the league. First, we're going to kick off this show. Shane will find you if you do not play <laughs> fantasy football properly. I promise. Like, don't, don't mess with him. The crazy thing is one of the people in our league has actually went out and bought a trophy and a plaque. Mm. And the trophy will be passed on uh, to each winner, as most trophies are in fantasy football. And then there's a plaque that will put the winner each, each mm. year, their name on the plaque. And so I think those are on the way. I sent him the uh, shipping information. And I think he's sending them along. And when they get here, I'll be sure to show them to you guys on Game Face. But let's get to it. Let's talk about Watch Dogs 2. Uh, a lot of you probably saw already our Game Eval went up for it. It ended up being one of our highest scores for a Game Eval ever. Wow, really? Ended up with a 7.4, I think. Hmm. Um, and you know, my, for my score, the, the Witcher was a 7.8. And yeah. then my score for The Witcher 3 ended up being like an 8.5. And it went up significantly for me based upon Your my preferences. preferences. Uh, for this me one... Too. <laughs> and I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> and for my preferences, uh, for Watch Dogs 2, it didn't change. Hmm. I ended up with the same exact score as Dave Lekovich uh, gave oh. it. So... 7.4, top three or four of any gaming vow that we've done on the site. Matt, you've been playing this game to death. Do you feel like it's come in at a good place, at the right place? Um, it came in, it comes at a much better place than the first one, that's for yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> it's good. Like uh, It doesn't sound too convincing. It's Well, it's not great. That's the thing. It's really? Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't find it to be particularly great. I think it's just good. Wow. Um, and as we were saying before, like, I bought this game because it takes place where I grew up. Yeah. Like, I was, I want to, because people don't set stuff in San Francisco much. And the, and the, and the one thing, uh, there's a lot more of the Bay Area in this than I thought there was going to be. Is also Marin 
and uh, Oakland and uh, kind of Silicon Valley, San Jose area, which is cool because like that's I know. Why all those would places. they put Marin in there? Um, because that's where a lot of the snobbery comes from. Oh. And also, like, if you're going to make the Golden Gate Bridge, you might as well have the place it goes to. Uh, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess I kind of had otherwise to. Otherwise, you can't really cross I guess I could have just put Sausalito there, maybe. Sausalito's in there. Okay. And, like, it's it's kind of like a thin coastline with, like, it's mostly, like, the beach, the beachfront part. Gotcha, it's like gotcha. It's like the beach shopping area. And you, at the very Which beginning... Which is Sausalito, pretty Yeah, much. at the very <laughs> beginning of the game, you wait, yeah, there's a huge, crazy party, and you wake up, like, in your underwear in... The, in someone's house in Marin, and you don't know who who they are, or where you are. I think that may have happened to me before yeah. when I lived there. The, one, one of the one of the first uh, uh, objectives in the game is buy pants. So um, it's uh, so is the game kind of tongue in cheek the whole way. Oh through? yeah, it's like they've you know because the first one kind of had sort of this gray, dreary sort of we're so edgy sort of thing happening. Like, it was taking itself super seriously. And this, like, they've swung the pendulum, like, almost over to, like, Saints Row. Because a lot of the reviews areas. that I've read for it, a lot of people have complained about how silly it is. And it they is said it very doesn't strike silly. enough balance between being serious and... I would, I would agree cut. with that so far. Because, I, I, like, and a lot of it is, like, because one of the reasons I think the first game was so gray and dreary and, like, serious about itself was, like, what you're doing in these games is kind of horrible because like you're you know the, well, the yeah, pre- you're hacking people's yeah. bank accounts well, yeah well, the premise is that like you know ctos this like you know wired smart city thing went into effect in chicago and you know obviously aiden dickhead and his friend you know took the whole <laughs> thing down so this is ctos 2.0 it's supposed to be way more secure and better just like you all know, you know like they always claim because 2.0 now, is always better and now they're starting it like you know that's why it's in silicon valley because that they're the guys who are doing it you and like this uh, company called Bloom has basically taken over uh, as the evil overlords of CTOS, and they're headquartered in Silicon Valley down by Palo Alto. So that's why you can go down there is because you deal with those companies all the time, you know, fairly often in this. Um, I'm, you know, I grew up uh, in the Sa- in San Francisco in the Bay Area, but like I'm from the Peninsula of Palo Alto area. Right. So like to see those, you know, one of my first objectives in one of the side missions was go hack whoever's phone in San Mateo, and I'm just like, wow, I've never seen San Mateo in a my game mom. before. My mom, I'm gonna hack crazy. my mom. <laughs> um, and like, that's cool. And here's here's your headquarters, uh, which is a secret place in the back of this board game shop which like is very funny uh if you talk to a couple of those people like they're basically every board game player you've ever met that you didn't want to talk to anymore um including the guy telling you your magic deck is garbage <laughs> which is they nail a lot of tone in this game like, you know like my favorite because there's a lot very focused concert there's a big concentration on sort of the self-involvement of the tech sector in in the area which is yeah. super i mean there's a fair amount of self-involvement in this in the SF area, like by nature, I think, um, because it was all you know. It comes out of that whole sort of '60s hippie free. I mean, there's a lot of self-interest in that um, lifestyle in some ways, even though a lot of it's meant to be focused outwards and stuff. It's also sort of about whatever you want to do, do it. And uh, the self-involvement of like that has kind of sort of piled on top of itself by the Silicon Valley era um, is lampooned really well in this. I think they really, I think they nail Silicon Valley and the at area better than San Francisco in some ways. Um, I was riding a motorcycle in the Palo Alto area, and I screwed up and hit something and flew off the motorcycle, and just Marcus uh, slammed into a wall and fell down. And the pa- passenger walking, the, the, the pedestrian walking by goes, "Oh, I hate that crunching sound." And I was like, "Yeah, that's," and then walked away. And I was like, "Yeah, that's perfect. That's it." Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that that's very funny. Um, it's not as um, 
Well, they get one. You can hack Ubisoft. Oh yeah, yeah. Ubisoft San Francisco is in the game. It's a check-in place for a little like you know like check-in, take a selfie thing. And that uh, secret trailer came from people hacking the yeah. UB headquarters. And so there is a side quest in the game where you, where the, you know, the head of UB marketing, you you find him on the, walking around the street, getting ripped on. You know, he's getting chewed out by UB corporate on the phone. And he's like, no, the new trailer, no one will ever hack it. There's no possible way. We've got it all locked down. Like, I swear, like if, if, if this one leaks, you can fire me. And the, and the <laughs> woman on the other end says, you're lucky we haven't fired you already. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, wow. Like, that's, oh, that's, pre- that's pretty self-reflexive for uh, Ubisoft. And, of course, then you do have to go get it. And there's also a nice moment where uh, I think you go back and... Because that happens a lot. The side quests tend to be you hear something or you, you, you know, intercept some information and then Marcus calls his friends at the DedSec HQ and says, like, hey, I found this out. What can we do? And they're like, uh, oh, let's do this. And he, and he calls up and he says, says, hey, what do video game websites love the most? And one of the guys back, on, back at HQ says... Being considered journalists, <laughs> like, and it was just like, whoa! Oh my God. Like, there's like they they go for broke on some of this stuff in a way that like I would not have expected UB corporate to be cool with. Yeah, I don't uh, know. So though. I, UB's pretty liberal, I think, with stuff like that. Somewhat, but they don't seem. A lot of times, they it seems like they don't have a lot of sense of humor, a lot of like willingness to sort of you know sort of bend the mainstream. Well, I mean, look, they've blacklisted Kotaku. Yeah. And, you know, based upon leaks that Kotaku has legitimately secured, mm. which there's nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah. But, like, the, uh, the interesting thing about this game, I think, is that, um, like, the, the game really wants you to like it. It's yeah. really trying to be likable and fun, and the characters, you, you know, your Marcus is a really fun, you know, Marcus is a total dork. Like, he's not super Like cool. a nerd? Or nerd. A dork? Like, he's a nerd. Oh, okay. He's, a, like, he's... Because there's a difference. He's cool. I mean, he's cool. You, you wouldn't look at him and be like, oh, you're a total nerd and I don't want to talk to you or anything like that. Yeah. He's like one of us. You know, right. he's like, he, but he comes off as like he's into this. He, like when, the, when you talk to the board game people, he knows what they're talking about. Right, he's not, you right. know, he doesn't go in and he's just like, it's like I don't know what you dorks are well, talking about. Well, his headquarters about. is in the back of the Well, he, board he's a new game. recruit, so he doesn't, oh, okay. he doesn't know any of these people originally. But like, he goes in and like, it, guys are like, oh, we've got this thing. He's like, you have the, the new thing of this? And he's like, yeah. So he is not like some kind of too... He was not like Aiden where he was like too cool for all this stuff and he was right. just like he lives the alternative hacker lifestyle right and he, he prowls around clubs in his hoodie and mask like like Mr. Robot deal. yeah it's not like that <laughs> this, this, this dude is like a dork who kind of turned pro basically right, right. and um Basically, like, they find him because he's hacking into, uh, or he's literally physically sneaking into Bloom HQ to uh, rearrange, uh, to, to hack into their network because he's been falsely framed for a bunch of crimes he didn't commit. And so he's erasing his profile. Uh, and no one has ever succeeded in doing that. And when he does succeed in doing that, the dead set guys kidnap him and say, like, all right, you're working with us now. And yeah, he's like, all right, great. You guys are awesome. Because he's heard of them before. Right, right. So, the, they, so this little core group you're working with is, like, they're all super wacky. You've got the, um, the, you know, the guy we've seen in the trailers with the digital mask on who's, like, sort of crazy and mildly homicidal but also, like, really funny. And then, yeah. like, there's... Um, the girl who's like a street artist and like super like thinks you're super cool, but like also gets to be sarcastic about stuff. She handles all the propaganda. And, um, and yeah, and uh, you've got um, the autistic white boy who like um, is like actually the genius. Yeah, he's, the, he's the genius, and he's actually like portrayed like really like pretty well. I, I mean, it's it's a very uh, realistic like his his 
social anxiety and aut autistic element is not part, like the hook of his character. It's just how he is, and everybody sort of accepts that, which is pretty. Is, you know, that's a it's a very progressive way to portray him. And he's also sort of the genius, so he he handles the really hardline tech stuff. And then uh, there's like um, another uh, black guy on the team who is like, uh, you know, normally I guess he would be the diverse character, but he's also sort of. Um, he seems to be like the most normal of no. the group. Like he's he like, he's like he's like the I guess the person who could kind of like go out into the world and do shit where everybody else sort of stays in the basement uh, in the board game room. Um, and then in the end, Marcus is sort of the one that's sent out to do everything. Like theoretically, I guess she's running around painting murals and they're doing what they do. But like Marcus is the only one you see around really. Um, but they're all like really in fun characters and, and people that you, you know you're and they're very distinct and you resonate with them. Yeah. But the issue is that, like, the the basic plot seems to is basically um, uh, CTOS is bad. Uh, the plan is to like you know spy on everyone and like you know have access to everyone's data, and that's a ton of power, and we can't trust it to be in the hands of this corporate entity. So we're, we're going to spy, we're going to do it and spy on everyone because everybody can trust us, right? And and convince everybody that we're the good guys. And the way yeah. they do that is they, the idea is to convince people they make a, a dead sec app. That you can install, and when you install that app, you are giving them the DeadSec people permission to use your phone or computer or whatever as part of their like you know remote processing power. So right. the idea is to collect enough followers by doing awesome hacky shit to um, have enough processing power to take on what is what is essentially Google, you know, right? Um, I kind of or Facebook, that, or I guess, because yeah. uh, Google is Noodle in this, and U D L E, which I constantly read is Nudie. Um, <laughs> Speaking of which, so uh, oh yeah, uh, there is a lot of nudity if you go to the if you go to Baker Beach. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's not just that there's nudity; there is fully rendered female genitalia, yeah. one of my least favorite words in the English dictionary. And male, they're all running <laughs> oh, around. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So wait, like there are parts of the game where you can just see the female genitalia. Yeah. There's a nudist beach. Baker Beach is kind of like an unofficial nude beach in the up up the north north near the near Golden Gate Bridge, and that's if you go there, there's naked people there. That's weird because like when this story broke, the person who found it at first and snapped the, the image that got him banned mm -hmm. from PSN, by the way, yeah. said he that he had, later. and you can see the image right here, like. He said that there was a big explosion, and he came in, and like if if there yeah. if the black bar isn't there, the only reason you can see her genitalia is because she's wearing crotchless right. panties. Right. <laughs> but if you go, but like, you're telling me that like you see that all the time in the game. Not all the time, but it's there. Like, like there's a there's a barbecue. Someone had a video of like uh, it's like a backyard party or like a barbecue, and one of the women at the party is naked, and. Uh, if you, and there was another one like where completely like, buck naked. Oh yeah, totally buck naked. Uh, and there's another video you and you can so find. So how is Ubisoft going to patch this out? They're just going to get rid of all the new. As I understood, no, as I understand, they're they're basically patching out the the female genitalia, and you're still going to be able to see uh, penises. So wait, they're going the girls are going to look like Barbie dolls? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle that. So I, that's I did not know that. I did not know that this was all intended by Ubisoft. I thought that this it's was all just in there. Like yeah. Well, because like, like, like you can like, you can find like uh, the, the the video that I saw for the male nudity was like it's like a bum like a like a uh, homeless guy or like some, or a hippie guy and he's just wearing like a trucker hat and he's otherwise he's just naked and he's running down the, down an alley and like <laughs> you know it's just. There might even have been some physics on the on the on the dong. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, dong I physics. Yeah, I mean GTA did it, so you know you gotta you gotta match the competition. Got a one up, yeah. Uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> 
Well, I don't understand, though. Then why are they going to remove it if it was, like, a planned part of the game all along? Because they're afraid. Because I thought it was, like, another hot copy thing where, like, no, no one was going to see it unless they were the game was hacked or there was a glitch or not something. That, I mean, I didn't, like, crouch down and, like, try to see if I could see Volva, like, right. you know, <laughs> on, on the the character models that were walking around. But, like, right. yeah, you can, you can find fully nude human wow. beings in this game walking around clearly as part of the plan. I mean, it's because of San Francisco, you know. Yeah. You see naked people in, on do. the street and home in San Francisco all the time. Like yeah. It's, or worse. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that is, you know, you don't see that. There's nobody taking a dump on the sidewalk yeah. so far, that I've seen so far. <laughs> Yet, although there is a lot, of, there are a lot of people throwing up. Oh yeah, <laughs> like you see people throwing up. And one of the actually, what about what, homeless? Is there a lot of homeless? One of the like... achievements is actually to take a picture of someone puking on the street. Oh really? Um, <laughs> there are a lot of homeless people, uh, including at one time where I, you know, because like you, you get an upgrade that tells you, uh, like in the first game, like who has uh, a rich bank account, right. so you know who to hack without having to scan everybody. Yeah. Every once in a while, I found find one of those guys, and he's a homeless person like, <laughs> sleeping on a piece of cardboard. But he has like three thousand in the bank, so uh, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. Matt, this game actually sounds kind of awesome. It kind based of, upon everything you're saying. It kind of is, but here's the thing, like. I've been playing this game and running around and doing the optional stuff and like doing. The, I did all the check-in stuff, all the all the landmark stuff. Uh, I've done all the like doing no all these collectibles. No towers in this. No towers. Everything's open from the beginning. There's no anything like that. Um, I've been running around picking up the optional stuff, picking up like you know money. There's like money you can pick up and like you know uh, uh, upgrade points and you know I've been doing all the sites. I have almost no motivation to do any of the actual directed content. Really? Like, I've done a couple of, a couple of side missions. I haven't progressed too far in the main story. I've done some of the online stuff. So the online multiplayer doesn't work right now. Yeah. Uh, they're the seamless... I think uh, they said by this weekend it'll be yeah, back. Yeah, the seamless multiplayer. You can, if you intentionally want to join up with somebody, you can. Like, you can activate it manually. But, like, the, the seamless thing where, like, people can just kind of show up in your game and you have to play a yeah, little match. Yeah, because there's an option like, kind of like there Dark Souls, right? Where people can yeah, invade your world. Yeah, that's how it was world, in the first yeah. game. In fact, I was playing the first game this week to kind of refresh my memory because it's a very forgettable title. Um, <laughs> I was trying to refresh my memory of how it worked before I played this one just so I could be able to compare better. And, uh, yeah, like, for a game that's as old as that one is and you'd think it would be dead as a doornail, like, people were invading my, my game constantly. Wow. Like, I, I was getting, like, somebody new trying to hack me, like, probably every 15 minutes. Like, wow. it was, I couldn't get shit done. And the worst one, because you have to activate all the stupid towers. I hadn't activated all the towers yet, so I went to do that. The last tower, I finally get through all the doors and hack the things. Get to the, get to up to the top of the thing, go through the, open this thing, send this thing over, hack this thing, open this gate, get to the gate, walk up to the thing, and right as I press triangle to activate the last tower, it's like you're being hacked. I'm oh like, God! And, <laughs> oh man! And I had bad. to get leave the building and come down to the street to deal with the guy. So like, I then I'd go all the way back up. To oh get the, God! It's like, well, you can't turn it off though. You can turn it off, but it's like it's it's a fun idea. But every once in a while, the timing is bad. It was just, for me, it was surprising just that like. I figured that game would be dead yeah. on PS4. Like, why Why is anyone still... I guess a lot of people might have been playing it the same reason I was playing it. Because right. like, oh, the sequel's coming out. Let's play this until up. it comes yeah. out. Let's catch up. And it actually kind of screwed me up because the controls are different in this one. And they're way better. Like, the, like they improved how the, the vehicle controls. controls are a lot vehicle better, Vehicle controls right? are infinitely better. In fact, the first time I stole, a, uh, I think it was a Mercedes equivalent in Marin after I bought my pants. And, I, and then you have to drive... <laughs> Uh, down to the hate to to get to the the HQ um, for the first like meeting with DedSec and is that a, where the DedSec headquarters yeah, are? Yeah, that's where the, the first hate. one. There's one in there's one there. There's one down in San Jose and there's one in Oakland. But the first one is uh, in in the hate over in that area. Or maybe it's 
I'll get to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> um, but like I'm driving, you know, drive across the Golden Gate Bridge all the way through the city, and my girlfriend said, uh, "I think it's the first time I've ever seen you play one of these open world games and not hit anything for this long." Oh and wow! Like, and it does control very well in the car in the car department. How is the car driving in San Francisco? Because to me, that that seems like one of the highlights is being able. Because a lot of these open world mm. games, like they're mostly flat. Yeah. Like you're always driving around these perfectly flat streets. You're driving on grids. Mm. How is it driving? I mean, can you do crazy jumps where you, like, nosedive into the ground and, yeah. like... In theory, I mean, the, the, here's the funny thing, and most of the, the hills in this game are not as steep as the real oh, thing. Oh, really? Because, um, you know, I mean, we we live there. You know that, like, you can come across, like, Jones near California or some of those places, and, like, you're afraid to go over that edge. Or and you that, walk that, up the hill and your calves hurt you oh, for, yeah. like, four days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these, I mean, these hills are real, yeah. and uh, they're not they're not as big in the game like like there's still hills it's still hilly you can do a lot of jumps up and down these things um but they are not as extreme as the real thing and here's the and here's the other thing about this as someone you know i'm gonna go a little uh san francisco native on you here um i understand you have to compress a city to kind of fit you know fit it into a game space you can't have a one-to-one model because then you end up with something that's like not fun to play yeah um but this thing is super squished like uh, and San Francisco is not a very. San Francisco is not huge. It's about seven miles by seven miles. Yeah. Uh, first off, only about half the city is in this. Um, wow! Because if you're if you really if you're in San Francisco, like you've got like you know Financial District and Market Street and Soma and all you know North Beach and uh, Fisherman's Wharf and over there, and then you you go further west, you get Haight, you get you know you go down Fell Street, you're near um, near Golden Gate Park. Golden Gate Park is a rectangle. In this game, Golden Gate Park is like a like a square that leads to a bunch of green that becomes the beach. Like so, it cuts off. So about the sunset's half the, just completely. The sunset's MIA. totally gone. Uh, there's nothing. None of the basically what I guess what you'd call like kind of bedroom section of yeah. San Francisco is over there. Like none of the you know like 19, uh, 19 going up you know as Highway One up through the city, Nineteenth Street going up through the city to uh, um, the Golden Gate Bridge. That's not really there. Um, there's things are just piled on top of each other. Uh, Vermont Street where we used to work. Uh, Near where we used to work for uh, Tech TV, that's on the west side of the highway instead of the Weird. other side, and like it's all recognizable, but like, oh yeah, I mean one thing I'll say, you just can I'll just oh, like peer up at, at the screen and sure. like immediately I know where. But they it's are. just everything's really close together to like a point that I'm like, well, I feel like they could have expanded it by about twenty five percent. It would have felt better. Yeah, um, it's just not. It's everything's just too close on top of each other. To the point that, like, you go through districts like that when you're yeah. in a car chase. Like, it's just like, boom, you're through. Oh, sorry, Japantown's gone. You're over. You're through it. You're yeah. gone. Um, now, credit to it for having Japantown in Japantown's it. Japantown's pretty small, to it's, be fair. It is pretty small, but it's like, <laughs> it's right next to the hate. I mean, it takes right. longer to get to these things in general. It would feel it more like a city with that. Right. Um, also, there's a couple of weird things in, like, the description. You know, you can go to the map and look at the landmarks. And, and most of it's fine. It's like kind of tourist description of things. But it says that Twin Peaks was the setting for a famous TV show. The TV show Twin Peaks did not take take place at the Twin Peaks. Yeah, I know. It took place in a fictional Washington town. That was a very right. weird th- research failure. Um, and then there's the thing where like you know the freeways are all messed up. Or like if you, you cross if you cross the the Bay Bridge to Oakland, it says you're on 101. And like there's a lot of like weird. If you're a native, you're going to notice that the compression has turned this into sort of an alternate reality that doesn't quite work. Do you think you would enjoy the game more if you didn't know San Francisco as well as you do? No. No? It doesn't really So impact, it isn't affecting your It doesn't impact my enjoyment of it. It's just like, well... It's just observation. It could, it's, I mean, it's the best San Francisco that's ever been in a game, period. Oh, for sure. No yeah, question. I can, you can just watch footage of it um, and see that. It's just, it could have been better, and I don't see any reason why it couldn't have been a little bigger. I mean, I'm, I'm glad there's more 
you know, nearby areas that you can go to, but it could have been a little more. Uh, the other thing about it is uh, there haven't been that few cars on the streets of San Francisco yeah, since ever. 1930. Like, ever like, since I've been there. Yeah. And, like, I'm not asking for a bumper-to-bumper, like, I can't navigate through the city thing, but when there's, like, five cars on Market Street, yeah. like, you don't feel real to me. Yeah. Any, and that's the funny thing is, like, um, it but doesn't... But I mean, certain parts of the town would... It would slow down the whole game. Because if you're going to vehicle chase and all of a sudden you get in a traffic jam, that's that could what, make it kind of fun, though, actually. Yeah, also, also that's what sidewalks are for. Yeah. Also, there's, um, you have an ability that you can unlock where you can control vehicles um, and make them swerve or back up. or you know, you, And you can cause tons of havoc with that. It's a lot of fun. But it's also useful, um, let's say, you're, you know, because you, you can, like, focus on them and then pick what you want to do. Or if you just tap L1... Um, or I guess left bumper on the Xbox, um, you you will just choose automatically whatever is sort of, you know, pops up automatically for the thing you're hacking. Uh-huh. Usually, like for a door that's open it, but right. for a car that by default is usually uh, make it turn left or right. Okay. And so if you're in a in a chase and a guy's in front of you, a car's in front of you, and you can't get around it, if you tap L1. It'll swerve out of your way. Oh wow! So like cool. you hack it to swerve out of your way, which is great. You can also use that if you like. You can make something a guy say there's an oncoming car, and you can target him and make him swerve to the left in front of the guys chasing you after you pass him. So there's a lot of like freedom to kind of yeah. use. Them. They do a lot more with the hacking in terms of making it a gameplay element rather than like just a cool thing he can do. Um, he can relentlessly screw with people in this game, which is great because you know I spent a long time in the first game just stealing people's money and right. like reading stuff about them. Yeah. But now you can you can um, you can still steal people's money, but you can also uh, call uh, you can put out a fake APB on them to make the cops show up and arrest right, them. Right. Or you can um, you can also uh, make them a target of a gang hit. Wow, and and make the and so so like you can basically call in a drive by or an arrest on them, and uh, it's and that's a lot of. I, I've been actually doing that when I go into like missions and stuff. Like if I'm like trying to infiltrate a place, one of the best ways to clear out an area is to just like call the cops on one of the gang members you're fight you're, you're trying to get through, and they'll all run over and fight the cops, and you can just go in, get the thing you need, and go. So I, I think I'm struggling to find figure out what what it is about the game that. Makes it only good and not great. I think the fact that like you said a lot of awesome things. About yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I think it's a really fun open world game, and I'm not especially enthralled with the kind of the story. I, there's nothing like really interesting to me about the story, and it does feel like kind of the same thing over and over again, which I guess all games are after about 20 hours or whatever. But like, um, it hasn't done anything to make me more interested in the idea of like a a elite hacker. Mini uh, open world game. It has been a lot of fun to play an open world game with some of these abilities. But when it comes down to like, okay, now we want you to sneak into this, you know, use the hover drone, the quadcopter drone to scan the building, and then you know, sneak in here and then hack this thing and open this door. I'm just like, well, that's not kind of boring. I got. I feel like once I have to actually play the narrative part of the game. I'm not particularly interested anymore. I feel like I'm, I'm not doing the fun part anymore. That's a you know huge I mean? indictment because that's what most people do when they right. play a game. Some people may just take on a couple of the side mm-hmm. missions, mess around a little bit, have a little fun here and there, but most people plow go through. through yeah. yeah, I mean, and that might just be me. Like, I, you know, I love open world stuff. I love messing with the mechanics. I love seeing, you know, and there is a lot of stuff to see that's fun here, just incidental to, you know, the, the characters on the street have a lot of personality. You'll see little, little skits kind of happen. Um, I saw at one point this girl was walking down the street 
and she looked different. She looked somehow different than other. I'm like, wow, look at that. She's wearing like a dress I hadn't seen before. And she walks up to this Mustang and pulls out a baseball bat. Where she had it, I don't know. But she pulled out a baseball bat and, start, and starts smashing the Mustang, screaming like, "It's like, what do you think now? What do you think now?" And like, then who was clearly her ex-boyfriend who owns the car runs over and is like, "What are you doing? You crazy bitch!" Like, yeah. they start pushing each other, and then he punches her out. Whoa! So uh, I so then I put out an APB on him uh, as a suspected terrorist. <laughs> and the uh, and the cop showed up and tased him in a corner for the next See, five again, minutes. See again, it sounds awesome. Like, but like nothing that like that happens in the missions is what I'm saying. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like every once in a while, you're like, oh, now you got to play the game, right? You know, as opposed to playing with the toy, right? And so to me, that's the that's the so the it's same. a fun a great toy, toy, but not. And the other, oh, and the other, look this up if you can on uh, YouTube. Somebody put it up. Um, I think it's called like Proposal Gone Wrong or something. Uh, so. One of the things you have to know about this game is like you can take selfies to make to check in on the landmarks and stuff, and everyone around you hates you when you do it. Oh. Like, like taking selfies pisses people off in this game, as it should, which is accurate. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> the uh, and sometimes they'll photobomb you. They'll be, they'll be like like that. And uh, so this guy is this video where this guy found these two guys, and one of them is proposing to the other. It's a gay couple, and one of them's proposing, and so he takes a, goes to take a selfie of the moment of them proposing, and the guy who's being proposed to stands up and goes, Har! and like photo, and the other goes like, "You have disrespected me tremendously." And they get in this huge fist fight what? over the guy not paying it. You know, like, like basically, like it broke the relationship being played out between the two NPCs, right, right. and then the other NPC was just reacting to the photo bomber the way everybody usually reacts right, to photo right. bombers. So all of a sudden, it became like this fight to the death, <laughs> like just because. Because Marcus decided to take a selfie with them, right, right, and uh, and like stuff like that happens a lot, and it's really funny. Wow. The same for me. The same thing happened to me. I found a, it was a a wedding party at um, uh, at Palace of Fine Arts, and I and it was a pho- like a photographer was taking pictures of the bride, and I, and that was one of the things you're supposed to check in on, like for the little like the check in app. And I went to take the selfie of it, and the photographer turned around and did the the photobomb pose, and the bride was so angry she chased him around the palace of fine arts, trying to kill him for the next five minutes. <laughs> so like, there's a lot to love in this game in terms of like how the open world feels like active and alive, and there's stuff to do, and there's things to explore and things to find. But every time I have to actually play it, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I'm kind of regressing back to what I wasn't particularly interested in about the first game. It is better than the first game, no question. But like you remember that E3 demo of of it where we're yeah. like it's you're just scanning a building and then like sending a little remote controlled drone and like the drone stuff you have is adorable but like yeah. it's not nearly as interesting as standing on a street corner and ramming cars into each other like with the with the phone powers. So you would recommend this game to people who play open world games and just go and mess around in them and not sure. necessarily someone who who buys open world games to experience a story and kind of play through that whole arc? I would say so. Yeah, that's that. Certainly, that's where I'm having the most fun is the open world stuff, playing it with it as a toy and not playing it as a narrative experience. Have you had a chance at all to try out the multiplayer? Um, yeah. Have you actually invited people and? Tried yeah, it out? I mean, random is not my friends so yeah. far, but like it worked. Uh, I seem to lose connection to them. I played a bunch of co-op missions, like three or four co-op missions. Uh, with random people, just so I could find someone and brings them into your game. And uh, every single time except one. So three out of, I think, three out of four times, uh, they got disconnected halfway through the mission. Does it seem um, to scale based upon how many people are participating, or does it get a lot easier when you have somebody helping? Mm, I think it's the same. Yeah. I didn't, so it gets I didn't notice any. Because after that, I did. I started doing them solo. Because I'm like, well, if you're just going to drop out, like I'm not going to bother with that. 
Um, and they all seem, basically it all seemed the same to me. It's not, they're not that hard to do. I mean, I was doing ones that were liberated as hard, um, but they were pretty easy, I yeah. thought. You know, and they're, they're a good cheap way to get followers. Is the game easy in general? Um, I mean, I've died a few times. Like, if you get caught and you don't have a plan for what's going to happen after you get caught, you're probably dead. Like, he can't take too many hits. Marcus can't take too many hits. And, like, if you don't have cover, if you're not in a good place, or if you, somebody gets behind you, like, I probably die about half the time if that happens. Like, it's not easy. Um, so, no, I wouldn't say it's it's unreal. Un reasonably easy but i would say once you sort of have a handle on what all the things your you know, marcus can do are and how to use them you're gonna waltz through a lot of stuff but you could probably close by saying it's far better than the first watch dogs oh, infinitely better than the first watch dogs like for one thing i can't really tell you a lot about the first watch dogs in terms of what i remember about it's pretty it. forgettable it's not, yeah. there's nothing there it makes me think of a, one of those gray days where you just don't go outside right you know, it's like <laughs> But like this one's vibrant and and fun and has, and understands that what it's doing is kind of ridiculous and yeah. it has a sense of humor about itself and there's a lot of and there's a lot of good music in it, um, and it's very free about where you can use the music. Uh, one thing I will give it a huge props for is that Marcus has headphones, like his. You know, whereas you only got music in the cars in the first game, Marcus has you know MP3 player on his and every time you hear a song you don't already know you hold the the touchpad and it adds it to your library so you, he can just run around with his headphones in and listen to all the music in the game on foot and you don't have to like do custom soundtrack tricks or you don't have to like only be in the car to hear music like it lets you hear all the music however you want whenever you want all through the game and i think that's a, a very positive step so thumbs up to that are you happy you bought it yeah yeah i mean even still with the uh uh, the, the the story stuff, I still think, is like, yeah, it's pretty good. Because, I mean, look, right. that is why people... This is why it's such a popular genre. It's because different types of players still manage to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. um, people who like to mess around and just kind of use it as a sandbox or something for them to do. People who like more of a narrative-driven experience or something there for them. Yeah, How's the mission variety? It's pretty good. I mean, everything comes down to... Because that's always a big sticking point for me in these games. Everything comes down to hacking something or downloading something, usually, yeah. or picking something up or whatever. Um, and uh, and I'll be honest, like, I started to get tired of that. You know, I kept going back to the, the open world tomfoolery because, like, I would get tired of doing structured things. And, gotcha. uh Because in the end, like, you look at, you know, I've got a bunch of side missions and stuff in my little... DeadSec app thing on the phone, and I look through it, and every single one, it's like, it's like da 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 download this thing, you know, hack this thing, steal this thing. I'm just like, you know, it's like, they're all, they all look the same, and right. I know they aren't, and I know there'd probably be funny stuff in them, I'd probably enjoy them, but when I look at them in the, in the app, like, which one should I do, I'm like, I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go them. fuck with people <laughs> at the intersection. Yeah, I'm just gonna go, like, ram stuff into things, you know, yeah. like, like, it's, it's it's hard to build up the motivation to play another Ubisoft open world mission. That's you know probably I mean? a testament to how fun the open world is, though. Yeah. And the, all the variables in play that allow for all these different permutations and combinations. Yeah, and I will admit a couple times I've thought, like, oh, one, what if, like, if I progress further in the story, I get, like, new abilities that make this even more fun to play with in the right. open world? Because sometimes that happens. Because there is, like, a skill tree in everything, right? Oh, yeah, but the skill tree opens real early, and I've got most of it. Oh, wow. Already. It's like, because you were in a I went through, you know, the whole check-in thing, all the, you know, 57 locations or whatever, and you get a lot of followers off that, and that levels you up several times, and, like, they're pretty generous with the upgrade points. So I've got most of the abilities that I wanted to begin with. 
Um, I feel I feel pretty good with what he can do. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not more stuff in there. Um, but it is a little interesting that how early. I mean, this game does not gate you at all in terms of you know because you know, you used to Ubisoft games. Like, oh, you can't go to that side of the bay because the because the bridge is closed. Right, or, you know, it doesn't right. do that at all. Instantly, the only like thing is like. Um, like the even the other HQs were open after the first main mission. Like it's like, and you can fast travel to those things and all the stores. You can fast travel all over the map from the beginning. Like there's no That's great. limitations whatsoever. I hope that it, uh, open world games are that way going. Yeah, forward. it's much. It definitely feels like it's there for you to have fun with. Well, they give you the game. Than, yeah, it's like, like, why are you walking away all this fun stuff? Like, why do I have to work to have fun? Right. Like, I should, I paid for this. I should be able to have fun however I want to have mm-hmm. it right away. And like, I think that's one of the main reasons this is getting such a good response from reviewers is because you can get right into what's fun about it immediately. Like, when you go through that intro mission, you wake up with no pants, you buy some pants... And then you drive to DeadSec, and you have the conversation about what what you're going to do and who you're going to be, and you go outside, and you're free. Do what and you that's want. That's it, and it's and it's great. I know? think it sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to play this, mm. probably over the Christmas break or something like that. Like I did, like it's just. I mean, will it make my game of the year shortlist? Probably not. But like, I don't know. Maybe you know. It's like I've had I've had more fun with this than any other open world thing this year. I would say. Well, there's not a lot of choices. Um, not a lot really to say about. But it's definitely the best open world crime you know crime game I've played probably since GTA V. Wow. Um, not that the competition's been particularly stiff. That's and also, still some glowing praise. And also, if you if you like Saints Row. Uh, it seems like it's got that vibe. It, about it has it. a saint. It's not as crazy as Saint because Saints Row is, you know, especially once you hit three, is basically a cartoon. Yeah. Um, and I would so I would say it's not quite there, but if, that far. but if you thought Saints Row when it started going too ridiculous after two, you might dig this one. Okay. Because it's more like where two was self-aware and and willing to make fun of itself and willing to have fun with what it was, as opposed to being like, oh, you can fly and you have superpowers now. Um, if you like Saints Row 2, this one might remind you pleasantly of that. All right, let's move along. Nintendo Switch. Uh, See, like we're getting a steady stream of yeah. information about Switch for a Nintendo while there. Nintendo just can't keep that door closed. Well, last week, though, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. I think last week was the first week since we knew what the Switch was where we didn't actually have a segment about Switch on Game Face. But all that changed this week. The floodgates opened up once again... All these leaks, rumors, I don't even know what to call them anymore. It's like... Yeah. There was the one streamer who pulled out a twit or a Switch on a live stream. Which was totally fake. Right, but man, <laughs> like, it's crazy how, like, you can 3D print things that, mm-hmm. like, work. Like, he had, like, the tablet and snapped the Joy-Cons onto the tablet. And, like, you know, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, there's no way in hell this guy's got one. But I was still impressed. I was like, damn, like... You if, he, if he'd gotten the font on the buttons better, I think he would have fooled a lot more. Well, people. he didn't even do it. the The person who built that fake mm. was the same guy who built the original oh, the NX fake that fooled mm. all of us. It was the same guy, and I guess he worked in concert with the streamer. And somebody might want to hire that dude. I mean, even the crazy <laughs> part was like, even, ILM, what are you doing? Even the sound of the Joy-Con snapping into the tablet was perfect. Mm. Like, it's crazy what they can do. So that was just like one of the things that I just wanted to mention offhand, but man, big news coming out, probably the biggest of which is that The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild will not be 
a Nintendo Switch launch game. <laughs> that is like Megaton news mm-hmm. right there. Like Megaton. Because look, we saw a little snippet of a new Mario game in the, uh, the reveal trailer. And, you know, obviously there's one on the way, as mm. there should be. It's been a long time since we played, you know... Yeah, it's been three years since 3D World. Right. It's about the right time. The timing's right. Yeah. And it should be just about done, I mean, in all honesty. Yeah, well, so should Zelda. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is going on with this game? I don't game? know. But it, the fact that, I mean, the, they the fact said that this it, game was announced in 2013 and you can't get it ready for a system launch in 2017 is pathetic. I mean, they said it's, it's like ridiculous. a translation issue. Hire more translators, dude. Like... Yeah. Like that should be, you should we should be able to fix that in an hour. Basically. I mean, look, like, there's no way. I, I get that Nintendo has this reputation with the Treehouse doing these amazing translations that are really funny, but so you have them come in and punch stuff up. You don't put the Treehouse on just doing the bulk translation. Mm-hmm. Like, and you, also this thing was supposed to be out this year. Yeah. Originally. How are you this far behind on that kind of thing? It's very weird. And it, you know, that's my launch switch done. Like that's it. Like. Zelda, I am dumb when it comes to Zelda, and I will do stupid things to buy to be able to play a Zelda game. Um, but if you got no Zelda at launch, I do not have a Switch at launch. Really? That's it. So a new 3D Mario wouldn't be enough for you? Hell no. Really? Three, uh, I'm, I'm not a, I don't dislike Mario, but I'm not a Mario fan, per se. I like Zelda and Metroid way better than Mario. Um... And Mario three, you know, I will play the Mario game. Also, let's not forget this might the Mario game at launch might mean Super Mario Maker Switch. We don't know if this is going to be the actual Mario game we saw. That would really teaser. suck. Which also like begs <laughs> the question is like, so if Mario is going to be the big launch title for this thing, how come we got five seconds of that game in like a whole glut of Breath of the Wild? Like, why were you showing I us still... the Zelda game if? Like, why did you waste all of E three on Zelda if Zelda's not going to be out until after next E three? I don't. I, to be honest with you, Matt, I still don't believe this news. And I think this one actually came from Emily Rogers. Yeah. Who I think we talked before we went on. She has been wrong about the Zelda stream before. Went live. I think she's right about two thirds of the time. Yeah. It seems like she, she hasn't was, been right every time. She was wrong about uh, being able to choose Link's gender. So I mean, she you know, not everything about Zelda she's, that's come out of her is correct. We'll see. It's like the last trailer for Breath of the Wild. It says right in the trailer, March of 2017. Like uh, Nintendo has completed so many games. And tackled so many huge projects. Does it say March 2017? Does it just say 2017? I think it said March 2017. Yeah, I think it was specific. And Nintendo knows how to plan out a game. It knows when things are flying off the rails and it's not going to get the game done in time. Like, I find it hard to believe they put out that trailer a couple months ago and then 60 days later be like, oops, not getting the translation done. Like, that just doesn't Doesn't add add up. It doesn't add up to me. Like, what makes me, it makes me, see, when I see that Zelda slipping, I'm like, I don't. Every instinct in my brain tells me this system doesn't launch without Zelda. So with me, I'm thinking like the Switch. If they have the a Switch, Mario, a 3D Mario, they would launch with just Mario. But that Mario. wasn't the plan. It wasn't clearly no. wasn't the plan. Uh-uh. You know, and like my my only like assumption is like the, the only thing keeping that system in March is if they just are unable to push it past the end of the fiscal year for the sake of not having a shareholder riot on their hands, basically. Yeah. Because um, this launch lineup, uh, unless there's something more they have to tell us about on January 12th, uh, it's a Mario game and a bunch of ports of things you've already played. Yeah, unless... and that is not. Yeah. So in addition to the rumor of Zelda being delayed, the other caveat to that was that the launch lineup was going to be Mario, Splatoon, and Skyrim, mm-hmm. which 
Skyrim, Bethesda just went on record saying that, well, I don't know what Nintendo's talking about. Like, yeah, we lo- lent them our IP for well, this debut. they did that because but... it was clearly going to happen, but they couldn't say anything because Nintendo's like, oh, we are the ones who get to announce stuff, so just deny it. I mean, that's, that's just standard Nintendo practice. You know, they, they weren't allowed to say anything before Nintendo officially announces it at the January 12th thing. Splatoon is a cool game, but it's not a hardware mover. No, not a lot. Well, there's a bunch of people that seem to think it is. People, I saw people online talking about, uh, oh, Splatoon, if it's a pack-in, that's a system seller. And you're, if you think that, you're a to fuck. To who? You're a loon. Like, it's like, yeah. like, it didn't move any Wii U's. Yeah, it did. Like, it what's... didn't even, like, it, in Japan it helped a little bit with for Wii U. But it, it did it's... turn into, like, a minor... Oh, well, Japan. because no one expected it to be anything, and it turned out to be a good game. But, like, it's not going to sell to someone who isn't already in, you know? I mean, just, look like, at, the, the just Switch looking at Splatoon, it's not one of those games, just visually, that's going to resonate with everybody. No, it certainly I mean, didn't resonate very, with me. I mean, it's a very weird-looking game. I Which is fine. I actually really enjoyed Splatoon. I didn't play I like it, it all that long. I think I, I played it for... I don't find it interesting to look at. I mean, well, I mean, I find it interesting in the sense that, oh, I like colors, but, like... When I look at this, you know, I was looking at this game before it came out. I was just like, I don't care at yeah, all. Yeah, the art and I style it, is very odd. But I, you know, it came with my Wii U. It was the pack-in along with Smash Brothers at the Black Friday deal I got, and so I did play it. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's it's cool. It is certainly not something that I think about on a regular basis, though. Like, I, everybody calls it like the new Eternal Mario or new, new Eternal Nintendo franchise, and I'm like, well, let's see another one first before that, you know. I think it's got its its audience, and I don't see it really growing past. I, you know, I know they're trying to push it as like the eSport thing for the for the Switch, but I don't really see that one shot of all the you know all the eSports guys huddled around the six inch screens <laughs> practicing for the, to be a very realistic. Yeah, that's the thing yeah. I don't get. It's like so much of that Switch teaser was like, here's a thing you could do with this system that no one is ever going to do with this system. Yeah, and like it's clearly mar- you know it's, it's very slick marketing stuff, but it's also still just marketing stuff. And I get you know if people bought into some of the stuff that that teaser like was trying to push on us, like no wonder No Man's Sky took people by surprise if they believe all this crap. Yeah, I mean you like know, a little skepticism is warranted here. Well, people. it's also silly. I mean, I think one of the problems with Nintendo over the last couple generations is that a lot of people have been burned. So you go back and you watch, like, the debut trailer for the Wii U or Mm. even the Wii and all the stuff that Nintendo shows you and says, hey, you're going to do this with this system. And then it never materializes. Right. Whether it's because the console was unsuccessful, like the Wii U, or whether the crap just really ultimately didn't work the way it was supposed to with the Wii. Or if it's just the golf game in the Wii U trailer. Right. I'm just saying, All that stuff that doesn't come to pass. Right. It never comes to fruition. And so... And then, and then in the Switch trailer, showing people doing stuff that no one would ever do. Like, who's going to stop playing a real basketball game to play a basketball video game? Like, it's just... On a phone screen, yeah, basically. Like it on a picnic table. Like, Mm-mm. who goes to a party and brings a little video game with... Like, no, we don't even do that, man. No. And we're like the biggest nerds ever, dude. Yeah. And we... Look, we're friends with other nerds. Yeah. And we go to parties with these nerds. And... Even, no one does that. No one does that. <laughs> we we'll go to parties at our friends' houses, and they'll have a console sitting there, and we don't even touch it. No, because it's like our time to like talk to other people and actually like make face to face contact. It's like that's what Xbox Live and PSN is for. Right. Like, if you, if, it's very rare that we play video games with our friends with pants on. Yeah. Because we're all at home <laughs> playing good, it online. That's a good way to put it. The, uh, uh, you know, the the most I've played video games with other people in person in years has been VR. 
Yeah. Because people come over to, right. to try my VR stuff. Yeah. And like that's it. But it's like that's the only reason you'd go to someone's house to play a game right now. At least in our our group, you know, we're older. We you know we don't do the couch co op thing too much. So we don't have roommates anymore. Right. Other than like our significant other, like we don't right. live with our bros anymore. Also, like you know, it might be a generational a lot of people thing. Do, though. Yeah, but also might be a generational thing because like. Man, I wanted my own screen for years, yeah. going through the '90s and you know, and all the you know, golden eyes. So I'm, I'm fucking tired of you staring Looking at, at, my, look at screen. my screen. Yeah. I'm tired of only having the corner of a of a 27 inch CRT. Like I'm about, you know, <laughs> CRT. And now, and now we all have uh, you know these giant screens. We can all play online, and everyone gets their own thing, and we can all do whatever we want. And yeah. like, it's great. And it I is, would yeah. never. And the idea that like everyone's like, oh no, let me come over and we'll play split screen Gears of War horde mode. Fuck you, go stay home, get out of here. Like I'm not letting you in. We're gonna play on, on online. Yeah. Like that's how we do it. And I grant, granted, like that's a little unfair because we have money to spend on some of this stuff. Some people might not be able to afford to pay to play multiplayer because you have to do that now. That's true. Yeah. Um, but like. I don't see any of that as being compelling enough for uh, a two hundred fifty dollars system. Hopefully, it's two hundred fifty dollars. I know like the price point has been rumored back and forth. Well, actually, you just segue nicely into the next one, which is the other next. The other rumor is that there are two versions mm-hmm. of Switch at different price points. It sounds like the Wii U all over again, yeah. where you had the premium with the thirty gigs. And then the basic with eight gigs, which nobody bought, mm-hmm. and they ended up having to basically liquidate them, and eventually didn't even offer them anymore. Why would Nintendo do this again? I don't know. Isn't that the question we've been asking for about fifteen years at this point? Why and would Nintendo do this again? The rumor is that the premium version has Splatoon packed in with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much incentive that adds. Uh, I'd say zero, unless you're a Wii U owner that loves Splatoon and don't want to lose it. Um, which is probably a sizable audience in terms of the percentage of the Wii U. Audience. Oh yeah, I agree. But again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again: uh, to make this thing a success, Nintendo's got to break out of just the audience that bought the Wii U, and Splatoon packing in is not going to do it. Uh, that might be irrelevant to the launch of this system because you know just the people that love Nintendo and are automatically on board and bought a Wii U, uh, that might be enough to make this launch sell out. You know, if they're only making two million, that's probably enough. Yeah. And then from there, you want them to spread the word and kind of be like a grassroots thing as you work Shouldn't your way. Shouldn't Zelda be the pack-in for the premium? Oh, I think I don't think you give that away. I mean, they're not giving it away. It costs more. Well, true. But Zelda's not coming out with it, so... But imagine if they... Well, Mario be If the you ultimately in. end up, if you buy the bundle, you end up paying $40 for Zelda instead of 60 mm-hmm. Like, to me... That's, it's worth it for Nintendo to do that, looking at the big picture and trying to make this platform an overall success instead of it being another Wii U where, hey, we had a pretty good launch and then nothing happens after that. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, the business person in my head is saying like, well, is there anyone who buys that system who is not going to also shell out another 60 bucks for Zelda on top of it because that's what they want to play? You're leaving 20 bucks on the table there. Maybe. I mean, so, it's I mean, it's corporate and it's not it's it's not nice, but Nintendo is not your friend. Yeah, like they're there to make money. Oh, I know that. And and selling Zelda separate makes the most sense. What I what I think they should pack in is not Splatoon, but um, the port of Super Mario Maker. Yeah, I think I think you want to play on that nostalgia because guess what, Nintendo Mini, whatever that whatever the the Mini Nintendo system that the came NES. out, the NES, yeah. uh, looks like the 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 nostalgia thing works. Yeah. So Nintendo may end up selling more of those micro NES consoles than it did Wii U this year. Make enough of them, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
The other thing, too, about the uh, two versions... I hope versions... everybody got that if they wanted it, because I know we were kind of, like, getting in line right now. Like it, it, it seems like it was a messy situation, and there's all these all these angry people posting reviews of how Best Buy sucks, about because they didn't get them all the you know NES minis they wanted, and then you read their thing, it's like, you wanted five, so you could right. flip them on eBay, yeah. you dickhead. Like, you, you know, yeah. Like, it's... it's it's hard out there for a Nintendo fan right now, I think, trying to get that thing. It's, it's sad that they weren't able to make enough of them. Well, I think it, they're saying that Walmart is going to put up a little bit every day until mm. Christmas. So if you're really looking to try and find one, that's probably going to be your good. best bet. And like, I just, it's like either you didn't know it was going to be that popular, which is impossible, or yeah. you're doing it on purpose, like the, like the Amiibo thing. Because every other, you know, Japan and Australia and Europe all got... Tons of amiibos for like you know all, every different character. You walk into any store in those regions, and you can buy any of the amiibos you wanted, just like Skylanders or Disney Infinity. But in America, there's stuff that I've never seen on a shelf. Supply constraint. And yeah. like I, I don't know how Nintendo of America is somehow accidentally doing that. So to me, it seems like they're creating some kind of scarcity problem unintentionally, yeah. which I think is bullshit. Because if you want to buy that NES Mini, you should be able to. Yep. So the two-version leak actually came from a retailer. A retailer made a mistake of putting... Was that Toys R Us Canada? It was some... Maybe Europe, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. but it Toys R Us Canada, I know, put up like a, a placeholder price that translated to about 250 US dollars. No, it was Europe because the original price that I saw was in Euros. Okay. And I had to kind of convert it over to USD. Yeah. Okay, because the one I saw was uh, Toys R Us Canada... And so the price was in Canadian dollars, so it was like 340 or 325 I was like, what? Yeah. Like, so I, 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 it was an iPod moment until I did the math. What do you think about this price? 250 for the basic, 300 for the premium. I basic. mean, that's pretty much on target with what we had yeah, mentioned before. The basic meaning what? Like the 8 gigabyte SD card? Whatever it is, yeah. I mean, I probably have a better SD card already for that. Uh, so I guess it doesn't really matter. I but mean, like, do you think that the, the storage on this thing is going to be all SD cards? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, what do you think? There's a hard drive in the thing? I mean, how are you going to download, like, DLC? You're going to buy a bigger SD card. That's insane. That's Nintendo. That's insane. That's insane. All right, let's move on. I don't, dis I don't disagree, but I think that's what it's going to be. The next point, EA, uh, one of its executives, I think it may have been its chief financial officer, uh, was giving a speech, and some people, some people started asking him about the Switch, and basically what he said is they are looking to release one or two games for the Switch uh, from some of its biggest franchises. And then they're going to take a wait-and-see approach. Much like VR. Right. Mm. Does that really mean that EA is just not supporting Switch? For, I think so, probably. Because... I mean, EA is going to sit it's there. It's almost and like, like a token offering. Well, didn't like, they say something like, "We want to be partners with you guys to say we're partners with you guys"? Well, didn't they say something like, "One of our major titles will be coming here"? Which I, I mean, everyone's saying that that means um, Mass Effect, but I think it. Probably, I don't. I, I think, think it's like Madden. I think it means Madden or FIFA. Yeah. Because um, those are easy games to port right. as well. I mean, yeah. They scale. It's, yeah. You know, it's, they're not. They're you know they're. If you're Nintendo, they're probably the ones you want because they have a wider audience outside of your core demographic. I guess. I don't know. Sports games on Nintendo platforms never, ever do well. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, it, if, look, if they stuck with Madden on the Wii for a long time, and they even made that crazy, like, kids play mode, basically, where it was just like, ah, oh, you right. just whip the Wii remote, and it, the guy automatically catches it and runs for a touchdown. Like, what was it called? All play, I think All is what play, it was. Right. Yeah. And that didn't work. It totally tanked. Bring back Ken Griffey baseball. Yeah, and I mean, that was <laughs> EA actually creating stuff specifically for Nintendo's hardware, and then it, it went for a more traditional approach 
uh, and that didn't work either. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me that unless it's a Mario sports game, sports games just never do well on Nintendo platforms. Because if you're a sports gamer, you already have another platform you play those on. Like- and EA has known this for a long time. I mean, even go back to the N64, and they released Madden 64, and then they never really released another game except for mm-hmm. FIFA on it. At this point, would it be smarter for Nintendo to have just done, like, basically an NES Mini, but for their current games? Like here's a here's a super cheap system. Isn't that, that what is? That's what I mean, it doing. kind of is, but it's two hundred fifty, <laughs> three hundred bucks. Like, right. Whereas, like, what if you just made something that was like this? This system is a closed system. We only put Nintendo games on it. It's all digital or whatever. It's all cartridge and digital. Um, you know, and here it is. It's one hundred and fifty bucks, one hundred seventy-five bucks. We're not competing with the other guys. We're not trying to be your only console. But this is this is how you play Nintendo games now. I feel like that's kind of what the Switch is. I think it's what it's going to end up being. I don't I think mean, that's, look, what, I don't think that's what they want it to be. a processor in the thing. Like, I don't think that's what they want it to be. If you, if you asked Reggie that, I think he would act like you were crazy. Maybe. Um, maybe maybe two years from now he won't. Yeah. But that's clearly what it turns out to be. I mean, they've learned some hard lessons already. I can't imagine they wouldn't uh, adjust. You'd think. Them. You'd think. Um, I, like, I don't know what they're thinking right now, especially with, like... If this thing really launches on Mar- the Ides of March, as the rumors say, um, the fact that you're unveiling this thing's like price, tech specs, and and uh, and launch lineup two months before it comes out, like yeah. that, I don't know what even to think about. Like, that's, I mean, on one hand, like it's cool that like you know, like we praised uh, Bethesda for announcing Fallout Four like six months before it came out, so it's not yeah. like this long, you know, drawn out you know hype cycle. But at the same time, it's like, don't people need time to like save for a new console and people need your time to kind of you know fit that into their budget and sort of get ready for this thing like it seems like it's and you know just for the mainstream audience to hear about it like it, it yeah. seems like it's it's that's real compressed do you think the ea announcement or whatever you want to call it has any bearing on other third-party publishers or no, no i think ea kind of does their thing yeah you i know. think so too I don't, you know, same with VR. Because like, EA's been that way with Nintendo now for a while. Yeah. And, it, and EA's I, just not particularly adventurous when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, they've got their business, they've got their platforms, they've got what they release, they've got what they do, and they don't really need anything else. that runs on the platforms yeah. it's making games for, and yeah. The final thing we want to talk about today, uh, something happened that made me really happy. Nintendo re-trademarked Wave Race mm. in Europe. What do you think about that? It's cool. I mean, I'm not a huge Wave Race fan. Really? But, like, like, uh, I will say this. Wave Race on the GameCube. Blue Storm. Yeah. That's what we're seeing right now. Wave Race on the GameCube is the game that convinced me to switch to component cables. Yeah, yeah. It made a huge difference. Because when you switch that thing to progressive (laughs) scan... You could suddenly read the stickers on the on the jet skis. And yeah. I was like, what? It so made I, a world of difference. So I instantly yeah. ran out and switched to a component cable. It was crazy how much a difference progressive scan used to make back yeah. in the day. But yeah, it was like night and day playing this game with the, the cable. Oh yeah. So I'm like I'm I'm I think that's cool because like I know it's a it's a loved game, uh, that much like F Zero, uh, <laughs> it's like if you love this game, you've been out in the cold for about ten plus years. So um, I'm glad. It, I'm, I'd be happy to see it come back. I can't wait to see what it looks like with modern hardware. I'm a big um, Wave Race fan. Huge. I'm not going to pay sixty bucks for it, but uh, you know, more power to them if they want to bring back more of these older things and not just rehash the same stuff over and over. I didn't get into Blue Storm as much as I did Wave Race '64 because they are kind of the same game. Yeah. Um, but I still really enjoyed it, and I played the living crap out of Wave Race '64. Like back when the N64 came out, there weren't games for it i actually imported wave race 
And it only came out, I think it was like a month early in Japan. Where did you get this footage? Oh, this is from the Dolphin emulator. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so is it like uh, like the attract mode or something? What do you mean did attract you, mode? Did you play this is what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's on the Dolphin emulator. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why it looks so good. You're not very good. <laughs> I hadn't played it. I hadn't played it in like I don't know how many years. Like I seriously, wow. it's been like eight years. And like I started messing around with the... Uh, well, the other thing, too, is you're not playing it on the controller that you brought right. it on. Right. So, yeah, I just recorded some footage really quickly. But I used to be a beast at Wave Race. Like, literally nobody could beat me at Wave Race 64. But I didn't enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed uh, <laughs> the 64 version. Yeah, I could right. not control this game at all. That is one of the issues with Dolphin, is that the controls don't uh, translate as well over. No, always. I played most of this stuff on that with the, uh, the Xbox controller, and most of it works, but not all of it. This game, though, I don't know if you realize this or not, you have to be, like, literally, when you steer and wave race, you're just tapping it, mm-hmm. like, just a millimeter each yeah, side. People, people forget how good the analog stick was on the GameCube controller. But the N64 controller, too, it was yeah. like that. Like, your, your car is you're kind of skipping on the top of the waves, and you're just slowly correcting mm-hmm. it as it goes. And yeah, so that was like the big learning curve of Wave Race was learning not to just throw the stick one way or the other. Yeah, I literally just booted this up and recorded it right away. I just wanted to make sure we had some footage to show. But I'm really excited about Wave Race. I think it's due for a comeback. Um, I'd love to see it running on a console, hopefully as powerful Ooh. as the uh, <laughs> as a Switch. So I'm going to stop watching that footage because it's just <laughs> it's just stressing me out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, I'd be glad to see it come back. I mean, at least, you know, the more things that they prove they haven't forgotten about. The only downside to me is, like, I feel like they're not going to just, like, suddenly overdose on racing games. So this doesn't seem good for the F-Zero fans. Yeah. But, um... I would rather play this than F-Zero. Well, let's not go crazy. No, I would. I feel like it ta- it requires way more skill. It's way more fun. I don't know about more exciting, but I, I enjoy playing Wave Race more than F-Zero. I know I may be in the minority on that, but that's just me. All right, let's move on. Probably should have maybe rolled this next topic into talking about Watch Dogs 2, but Ubisoft came out today and said that for its future open-world games, and it's going to start with the next Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft wants to tell stories in a less rigid way. So basically what it's saying is we are going to get rid of canned cinemas. And everything's going to be told kind of on the fly as you play. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, judging by how I'm enjoying Watch Dogs 2, that seems like the good way to go. I know, that's what I was, you were talking about it, and I'm thinking about this later topic, and I'm thinking, shit, I should have included it in this <laughs> one. But I'm also thinking, Matt is actually enjoying that element of Watch Dogs 2 more than the mm. more scripted story sequences. Yeah, I... I I fully support this move. But do you feel like games have the ability to tell a compelling story that way? Um, Well, let me put it this way. I don't think Ubisoft has told a compelling story in a while. So um, maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, But I do know that... uh, Look, I'm talking in general, not just about Ubisoft. Because, look, a lot of things that Ubisoft does ends up being copied mm-hmm. by other developers. I think it's entirely possible. My favorite game of all time is Shadow of the Colossus, and it tells its story almost entirely with no words and just being someplace and playing the game. But like, there are but cinemas I, in that There game. are cinemas at the beginning and the end, but most of the, most of the game and most of its 
functionality is told Subtle. through context. And yeah. I don't expect Assassin's Creed to become that, in part because there are other human beings in it. Right. You know, but, like, yeah, you can do that. I mean, I don't know if you can do that every year. You know what I mean? Like, I, if they want to turn Assassin's Creed into another yearly franchise, but they want to do it that way, that, to me, seems like, A, hard. Like yeah. if you, if you, I mean, that's going to take some work and some, you know, because part of the problem the Assassin's Creed series has had, in my opinion, I'm a big Assassin's Creed fan. I love the first few games. Uh, it's a shame what they did to the Ezio games and the remaster that came out uh, this past week because, wow. It looks butchered, um, yeah. But, like, I love those games up to a point, um, and I think they really suffered from the fact that they were released yearly, not because I, I got sick of them, because I still, I played Assassin's Creed Rogue for the first time this year because I, there was no Assassin's Creed game to play this year, yeah. so I'm like, it's, it's time well, to play Assassin's all. Creed. So I played <laughs> uh, the PC version of Rogue, which I never played Rogue before, and again, I love the pirate games in the series, you know, the, uh, the, I love the pirate stuff in Black Flag and Rogue and I think a little bit of Wars 3. Yeah. And the worst part about Black Flag was every once in a while it made me get off the boat and play Assassin's Creed, you know, like that. <laughs> and so, yeah, the structure was what made that game less fun. But I think part of the problem was by switching to that yearly model, the same team couldn't make each game. So you were constantly having different teams yeah. with their own take on the material, with their own take on the engine, with their own take on how things should be presented, and it never got to evolve. It's sort of like wrestling games, where yeah. like, you know, they won't just stick with something and let it progress and improve as time goes on. They have to reinvent the wheel every time. To the point that in Assassin's Creed Revelations, uh, Desmond doesn't even look like himself anymore. Yeah, I know. Like, they, like, there's no coordination on that. So if they want to go back to that mode, I feel like if they find a way to create this kind of model for telling a story with you know no cutscenes and in a more like open, organic way, that's just going to become the new formula. I just also feel like that just opens up the floodgates for the developers to make more mistakes. Yeah. And I just feel like it's harder to sort of bug test and squash all the bugs when you're yeah, trying to make them that way. Yeah, anything can happen. That's true. And when you're talking about, specifically with Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft, games that typically have had a lot of bugs, in some, mm. in some cases game-breaking bugs... I feel like that's a poor plan, and I'm also coming Definitely off... Definitely a dangerous plan. The other thing, too, for me personally, is that I'm coming off playing Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. And in that game, because it takes place in space, a lot of people have space helmets on. And they, and I mentioned this in the gaming valve for it, but they put this filter over the voices to make it sound realistic, which makes sense, because, you know, you've got a helmet on, you should be able to hear everyone clearly through your radio transmissions. But the problem was, like, a lot of times, like, your your allies are saying, hey, you need to go doing this and that, but, like, there are explosions going hmm. on all around you and all this ambient, like, sound stuff going on, and you could not hear sometimes what they're saying. Or they're talking over each other, and, like, the samples are getting all jambled up. And we were talking about an experience like Call of Duty, which is so directed and so linear, and you're on this straight path, and you start talking about an open-world game, like mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed. I just feel like they're just opening up an opportunity for a complete disaster. Yeah, they're kind of asking for it. Well, the other thing is, like, the first Assassin's Creed kind of was that. Yeah. If you remember. Like, like, yeah, it was pretty low-key on cinemas. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of it, I mean, granted, a lot of it was standing around watching 
unanimated character models sort of flap their lips at each other. Right. But you can press the button and switch the camera angle. Bite me. <laughs> um, I love the first Assassin's Creed, but re I replayed that game twice. I played that game three times all the way through because the second time I played for uh, achievements uh -huh. and the last uh, Templar fell through the, the world oh, no. as I was approaching him. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but to get all the Templars, you have to get to sequence nine. You have to get to the end of the game yeah. minus the last mission. Yeah. So it took me two years before I went back and did that again and finally got the last Templar. So I played that game three times. Let me tell you, the third time, sitting through Al Muadin, like telling me like the importance of the and like, oh the, or, like the one armed guy, like lecturing me about how I sucked. Like I was like, dude, I'm ready to go right yeah, I'm now. Done. Like, let's, let's <laughs> move, I'll move along, people. Um, so that can go about. And also, like you have know, the, the 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 eavesdropping missions where you just sit and listen. Uh, so you you know for sure like there's you know there's times when you're you're at E3 and there's like you're hanging out you sit at a, whatever you sit at a table and talk to people and everybody's drunk and the time is like and sometimes you hear Ubisoft people talk about things I mean you're these guys I heard that at some point um, those eavesdropping things were supposed to be like five six seven minutes long <laughs> <laughs> like, and and eventually they were cut down to what we got can you imagine having to no. sit on a bench and listen no. to those guys for like five minutes and try no. to remember what they were because like those the thing about those eavesdropping things that were great was like they actually did tell you information about where you were going into assassinate if you yeah, listen yeah. to them and they told you about the scaffolding on the whatever if you went to the north side of the building there was the scaffolding you climb but it didn't mark it for you it didn't do the work for you you had to literally listen to these characters can you imagine having to sit through five minutes of no. dialogue to pick up the one relevant piece of information praise be to the developer who said no we, no, we gotta yeah. cut these way down but like like that's the kind of thing I worry about. Is like somewhere in there, somebody thinks something's a good idea that in practice is just going to be. Also, they sometimes it seems like people forget. Like yes, this one idea you have for this one gameplay element is like a cool thing. We have to do that like thirty times yeah. because that's how these games work. Yep. And it's like if it's not, if, you know, if it's oh that's kind of cool the first time, it's going to be down to like not again territory by like times seven or eight. So yeah. it better be something really cool and if it's not really cool it better be something that's over quick i just feel like i don't want to play a game that doesn't give you the ability to focus on what's happening like look there are some games where the whole thing's designed around it like journey right journey you don't need cinemas because it's a very simple concept you get it they use subtle cues to kind of tug on your heartstrings a little bit but for a, a narrative driven game to have Every main story beat happen on the fly. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. It's well, like watching a movie while you're riding in a carriage or something. It's like it's not. Well, I wonder it's how. It's not an ideal way to experience it. Right. Well, I wonder how far they'll take that. I mean, some people I know don't have that issue because um, they leave the subtitles on. Um, yeah. Which I never do. I don't either. I, I always I, turn them off. Breaks immersion for me, so I turn. Unless I'm recording footage for a game face, I'll leave the subtitles mm -hmm. on sometimes because otherwise people don't, don't know what's happening. Yeah. yeah, but like, I mean, I kind of hope it's less like oh, all the storytelling will be done through dialogue and radio transmissions than I than it would be like, you know, less standing watching people stand around and have like meaningless conversation. There's just like an excuse to get into a mission or. Um, like, I, I just want a more organic way of having, you know, your objectives and your, your direction unfold rather than, like, having to watch the same thing over and over again. And um, if they can kind of take some lessons from the ideas behind the first Assassin's Creed and uh, maybe learn a few things about what people don't want to do, eavesdropping missions, um, 
or just the tailing stuff. You know, the tailing yeah. stuff in three and Black Flag were awful. Bad. Yeah. And like, you know, I got through them okay, but they're not fun to do. Nope. Like you know, with anything the with chase, like, see, the chase oh, yeah. ones. I hate those. And things. the other thing, of course, uh, maybe maybe they mean this, which is my least favorite part of Assassin's Creed: uh, the optional objectives. Uh, where you're supposed to complete everything a certain way, right? Because it's supposed, you know, in universe, it's because that's how the real character did it. But like in reality, you're like, basically, since Brotherhood, the game has repeatedly been telling me, "No, you're doing this wrong." Yeah, see, I'm not and, like about I don't think flexibility, that but I just don't think that in a story-driven game, having that open world kind of way of telling the story, I just don't think it's the right. Well, the main thing I want to come out of that is to stop telling me how to complete the missions. Yeah. You know, because, like, if you're going to give me, like, this mission, and they're going to tell me to, to go do it, and then you're like, oh, by the way, your optional objective is to, like, you know, poison two guards. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's not how I want to do this. Well, it's kind of like racing games. They're like, okay, the objective is to get to point A to point B. And then you go off-road, and you're like, oh, no, 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 there are these gates that you All have right. to go through. It's kind of the same idea, right? Sort of, but it's like... It's like the optional objectives, you know, those full sync stuff in Assassin's Creed. It's always had that kind of thing. Where I think Black Flag was when they finally learned to stop putting it up on the screen all the time. But I remember Assassin's Creed Three. There's one, one like midway through the game or so. There's a thing where like you, you rescue someone from being hanged or something, and then there's like this quick chase through the crowd where you have to kill, um, you have to kill the guy or jump on him before he escapes or whatever. And it's like the optional objectives, like there's like two optional objectives for like a nine second sequence. And it's like <laughs> kill two guards and don't get hit and do the thing. And like I must have redone that like 20 times. <laughs> and I, I, I was so angry. I was just like, because I never wanted to go back and do it again. So I wanted to get it done this time. Right. But it was like, it's like it was a really cool sequence. It was like the, you know, like a crescendo of that part of the story. Like it was like, you know, finally you were going to get to kill one of the main guys who was like being a jerk to you the whole time. Yeah. And like it ruined the whole thing because like I had to do stupid human tricks through the whole thing. So I hope that's kind of what they mean by overly scripted is like trying to tell me how I should play this open game, which is not anything I want. And you know, Watch Dogs 2 to its credit does not do anything of the kind. Yeah. So uh I think I think you're right to be skeptical because Ubisoft doesn't always live in the world we do. Yeah. But I mean, I hope I hope it's good. I, I I'm not going to say I'm optimistic, but I'm gonna I'm going to I'm going to hope. We'll see that they they give me something that I recognize as this series I like so much, which I really like more because of the idea of it than the execution of it most of the time. I'd agree with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about Halo. Matt, can you believe? It's been 15 years since the first Halo was released, and consequently, it's the 15-year anniversary of Xbox. Yeah, I can believe that. Really? It feels like 15 years to you? A lot of stuff has happened since that, that first day Ryan Vance brought the, uh, the Xbox uh, debug kit into the, into the office. Yeah, I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, how did he get a hold of that? He spent months buddying, buddying up to Microsoft people to get it. Like he, he Ryan we, Vance was the uh, series producer on uh, X Play, by the way. For yeah. those of you wondering, uh, which this would have been uh, uh, extended play yeah. at the time before it turned uh, into X Play. So he, he was the segment, the lead segment producer, the field producer on uh, on that, and he because he had done a lot of the field stuff, so he knew the PR people and so, and so he. He was on the phone, he was on email for months before the Xbox came out, like, trying to get us on the list for 
you know, early copies and early everything, and they di they did it. Sent it right to him. He got he was one of the first Xbox Live people as well. Like yeah, uh, with like his name on the on the headset yeah, and everything. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Um, I remember he he brought it in and we hooked it up and we sat down and and, uh, and I I handed the controller to him because like you did it yeah. you get to play it first and it was that stupid monster truck because <laughs> the discs it came with was like all the the castoffs. Yeah, of the... Oh, I remember those that lineup that we got like oh, at yeah. launch. It was not good. What you you didn't like Nightcaster? Yeah, actually the launch lineup for Xbox Azuric. was pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, that was, was all shovelware. Oh yeah, it was like Halo games, and a bunch of crap nobody remembers. All games that probably never should have even been released. And Munch's Odyssey, I want to say was yeah. it Munch's Odyssey was yeah, in there right. somewhere. Yeah, that was one. Um, yeah, it was Azuric. I can't believe he remembered that. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. And Azuric. what? Yeah, wow. That that launch lineup was terrible. But there was one star, and that's Halo, and. Uh, 15 years now. Matt, what is your favorite Halo game of all time and why? ODST. ODST. Um, and as to what I like... Well, that was originally called Recon, right? Halo Recon. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I actually have a shirt from Tokyo Game Show. It is an I awesome freaking shirt, by the way. It is... It's a dark blue shirt, and it has a light screen, like a light blue screen on it of Cortana, and it's it says Halo Recon across the top. Yeah, I remember that. Sure. Yeah, I, remember I got that. it at Tokyo Game Show at Microsoft's mm -hmm. pressing when they actually cared about Japan and actually tried to promote their their brand in Japan, and uh, then they ended up changing the name of the game to mm -hmm. ODST. Why is ODST your favorite? I like the um, I like that it's not Master Chief again uh, because at that point it was sort of the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, I like uh, that it's sort of the out-of-order multiple short stories, and it kind of told the story of the guys on the ground. You know, like, that. it was sort of like this... Uh, in Star Trek, they would call it the Lower Deck episode, yeah. you know, where you get to see what the crew members are doing. Right. Um, and, uh, and Nathan Fillion, and I like him. He's, he's, he's good as Buck. I like him. I like when that character shows up in Halo, whenever he shows up. And, um, and I think it's Marty O'Donnell's best music. Yeah, it is really uh, that, good. That the score, I mean, all his Halo soundtracks are great. Uh, Halo One is my favorite mainline game, but I think like that kind of weird, sort of almost Blade Runner ish, like jazzy stuff he did in ODST. Halo One is your favorite mainline game? Soundtrack. soundtrack. Oh, soundtrack. Okay. Um, yeah. So ODST, I think, is my favorite Halo game of that. Um, Halo One might actually be my favorite mainline. game. Really? Too. Yeah. Do you remember I, the library, Matt? Yeah, I didn't mind the library. Really. Much. No, You're the only one on Earth that doesn't hate the library. No, I like I like the first one a lot. Um, Halo 2 I thought was disappointing, and Halo 3 was good, but not particularly satisfying, uh, and was saved by its multiplayer. Halo 3 is my favorite of, of the main lines. Mm -hmm. um, because, I've, as I mentioned on the show before, I had come off of playing games like Tribe, so Halo, mm -hmm. to me, wasn't a big deal. I guess, to me, the, the, the Halo 1, 2, 3 thing is a little bit how I feel about the Lord of the Rings movies. Which is, I think, Return of the King is the best of the three, but Fellowship is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, and I would say Halo 3 is probably a better game than Halo 1, but Halo 1's my favorite because I wasn't ready for it. Okay. I wasn't expecting it. You know, it was, it was like playing that game was like, there was, people forget there was nothing like that at no. the time. It was open and it, like the, guy, the characters were running around these big open fields that are tiny now, but like yeah. at the, there was nothing like it. It was, it was like Fellowship. I, didn't, I, I walked in and I was blown out the back of the theater. I was expecting a mediocre fantasy movie. So The best part about the first so Halo I would say was the I don't disagree with, Yeah, so I don't disagree with you on the Halo 3 praise, I, but like it's just, for me, Halo 1 was sort of like this like sudden perfect 
punch in the face uh, yeah. in in, a, in an era where like I didn't really like the console FPS since like Goldeneye almost. Yeah. And it was just it, it was it was you could tell it was the start of a new era when you played that game. Halo Three is more the perfection of that. Premise. That's what that's that was my was the point I was getting at. Is that Halo Three is when everything became refined, and it was the mm. first. Also for me, the first Halo game that I felt offered me something different from what I had been experiencing on the PC mm-hmm. for years and years. And it just the story was probably the best of all the Halos. Halo Two, I was. It was a more refined Halo 1, but I felt like the story ended up being a huge letdown after all the build-up. Because, man, did they ever pimp out the story for Halo 2 and all the marketing and everything oh, yeah. leading up to it. Um, I felt like Halo 3, they under-promised and over-delivered, I guess is the best mm. way to put it. My hype level was low, and then I played it, and I was like, oh my god. And the amount of content in the game, it was the first time they had the skulls in the game. Like The Forge, I believe, was debuted in Halo 3 as well. I mean, it was just a massive package. And uh, so to me, Halo 3 is my favorite. I've enjoyed all of them, by the way. There's not a single Halo I have not enjoyed playing. Some more than others. I did not enjoy Halo 4. You didn't enjoy it at all? I don't like Halo 4. That's the only one I would say I actually dislike. I enjoyed it. It's probably my least favorite of all of them, I would Mm. say. But I still had fun playing it. I just don't. I I don't like fighting the Prometheans. Yeah. I don't, fi- I don't think they're interesting to me. I think Halo Five had enough to keep my attention. But yeah. Halo Four, I I man, I couldn't tell you anything about that game story. Like yeah. it, w- it was just a complete dead weight to me. The whole game was so generic. It was just yeah. like go here, kill all the enemies, flip yeah. a switch. Go nope. to the next room, kill all the enemies, flip a switch. And even though I did like Halo Five, like um, there is a very clear, giant, you know, visible line. Between those games and the Bungie Halo. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, just... I mean, I would say that the games that 343 have made have kind of lost the spirit of Halo. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the best part about the first Halo, everyone, you know, I think a lot of people were just excited to play a first-person shooter that didn't look like Goldeneye. Right. But for me, what really set that game apart was the AI and the mm-hmm. enemy behavior. And it made, it's like that thing they've talked about for forever, that 15-second rule. Like, they, they built the whole game to be fun in 15-second chunks. And it worked. It's like, the enemies were unpredictable. You never knew what they were going to do. They had personality. Like, you actually felt bad about killing some of the grunts just because of their, like, vocal work, their voiceover work. Like, that's kind of the spirit of Halo that I feel like it's lost over time, in particular with the last two games. Um, but like I said, I've enjoyed playing all of them. Um, I had... More fun with Halo 5 than I have with Halo 4. Mm. I'll say that much. Uh, but still, they both play kind of similarly. The multiplayer in Halo 5 is way better than the multiplayer in Halo 4, though. That's where there's like a really big jump up. So, Master Chief, we salute you. 15 years, my friend. I don't know where you're going. Probably to Halo 6. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a pretty safe bet, but... Uh, I would say nowhere is is the answer. I would hope with Halo 6 they concentrate on the freaking AI. I've been asking for intelligent AI in games this whole generation. I remember we started talking about PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. What do you most want want them to use the processing power for? And my answer every time was AI, AI, Mm -hmm. AI. AI is what can change how it feels to play a game. We saw it with the first Halo. Like, that very simple, like animation routines and how they built the whole game into just these little pieces, these little skirmishes stacked together into one game. And I feel like they need to get back to that. And uh, AI can do it. The power of these consoles, there's no reason for us to still be fighting stupid enemies. There is no reason for it. Like, 
They need to... Mm-hmm. I think the problem is... It's Certainly like, I would love it if, if you know upping the difficulty on a game like Uncharted meant the enemies were smarter and not that they just did not more just, damage. Right, or they could just sh- shoot you dead. Yeah. Like, they're dead eyes or whatever. Or they could toss mm-hmm. a grenade and it lands like right on your head or whatever. That's generally how they change the difficulty yeah. in these games. I agree with you. I would love to see them just make the enemies smarter and more difficult to wrangle. Like, you know, I'm playing Infinite Warfare and, like, they're idiots. The enemies are complete morons. Like, mm-hmm. you flank them and they're just, they just keep shooting, you're shooting them on the side of the head and they're just still shooting forward at, like, your teammates. It's like, the problem is we're in this arms race where it's all about graphics. And, you know, it's all fed into by comparison videos and teraflops, which the platform holders, like, have bought into and have marketed and I just feel like the whole direction is going in the wrong direction for for the amount of technology that we have at our fingertips now. I just feel like they've allocated it all towards graphics and nothing that actually makes the game more interesting or fun to play. Yep, they just want stuff that makes it easier to market. Pretty much, yeah. Here's how many teraflops it has. Here's how many teraflops. It's like the new bits. Here's how pretty it is now. Yeah, pretty much. HDR, 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 HDR. I mean, look, the PlayStation 4 Pro, that's all about graphics. Yeah. I, I didn't see Mark Cerny ever talk about AI or how it's going to affect other parts of the game. It's, it was always... No, it's all visual. Yeah, it's all it's the colors you're going to get. And it, and, sure, is, and it sure makes the VR stuff better. Yeah. Um, that's like a... But Matt, but, that's just a side effect. But yeah, they're not... To, <laughs> well, not it's the like, well, the other thing is like, um, I believe you can't get the HDR through the PSVR pass-through. Yeah, I don't think you can. You can't. Yeah. You can get 4K, but the HDR does not work through the PS4 pass, PS, the VR pass-through, which means if you want the full experience, you have to switch HDMI cables for that, which is like, hmm. In my opinion, it will never happen. In my opinion, if you bought a PSVR, they should send you uh, a pass-through box that can do everything oh, the sure. PS4 Pro is How supposed to do. How could they have such, not have the foresight to see that? Like, I'm sure they had the foresight. They just didn't want to spend the money. It's bad. But anyway, it's bad. It's bad. Halo, who knows where Halo's going at this point, other than, like you said, Halo 6. Probably to the 20th anniversary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Halo's not going anywhere, <laughs> folks. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be around. I don't know. I, th- I, I guess mean, it is one of the Here's the other interesting I mean, I mean, presumably, uh, Halo 6 will also be on PC. It will be. Xbox yeah, without a doubt. I mean, will yeah. there even be an Xbox by the time Halo 6 comes out. Well, I mean, I think Halo 6 is probably coming out in, like, what, 20, you think for Scorpio? 2018 for Scorpio? Maybe a Scorpio launch? I don't know. Maybe. I, th- I think you'll see that 6. The timing actually does work out yeah. kind of well. I think you'll see 6 on the, on the Xbox. Maybe 7. Once Easy. you get to Halo 7, it feels like maybe you need to start switching to subtitles or something. You know? Well, that's when you're getting to Pactor's future, where there are no consoles, and right. and we're playing, like... Microsoft games through our smart TVs or whatever. So, who knows what's to come? It's a pricey TV. Yeah. Well, they are pricey, but then they yeah, come but now they're going to be like an extra four, five hundred bucks. And a year later, they'll be down to the price of a normal TV. Yeah. That's just the cycle. So, we'll see. But uh, congratulations, Microsoft, on fifteen years in the industry. I will admit, when you came into the industry, I did not like you. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I did not like Microsoft coming into the games industry. I thought it was just a cash grab, and they were just coming in and just throwing like their money them. around. There was some good stuff. I remember playing, um, my main memory of the Xbox One, original Xbox launch area, because you know, we had so many launch games that we, I think we all had like two or three things we had to review. Yeah. And one of the ones I got was... Um, Cell damage. <laughs> one of the ones I got was uh, Project Gotham. Yeah. Uh, 
That and was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> but I played. I sat there and played it for like four or five hours because we, you know, I stayed. The game is hard. Too. Oh yeah, because like Miguel and I stayed after work. How about the kudos system, right? Yep. And uh, well, because I love Metropolis Street Racer on the Dreamcast, it was the same team making the same, same game with a different yeah, name. Right. But I remember holding, you know, the, holding the Duke, you know, the, the, the and holding the. Holding that giant, you play um, it like this instead of like this. Holding the giant, uh, you know, trigger down to, to accelerate, and I, I was playing for like three, four hours, and then we, we broke to get go get dinner. And I took my, I remember taking my finger off the controller, and it was like, you know how when you um like you do the thing where you, you try to raise your, you try to like raise your hands, raise your arms, and have someone hold your, yeah, your things yeah. down, and then when like when you stop doing it, your, your arms go up on yeah. My finger was doing that. It, it was like it was like. <laughs> It, it hurt. It was like somebody hit my nail with a hammer, and like it was well, just like. Well, when you squeeze mm. the trigger, you hear the spring inside. Yeah, going, yeah. very oh. strong. <laughs> so I just, yeah. I just remember like sitting through dinner with my, my finger hurt, and was kind of doing this weird thing. I'm just like, did I like permanently damage my yeah. index finger by playing the Xbox? This is getting a bad review. Yeah, I didn't like uh, Xbox at first, but now I am so glad that it came into the industry. It's yeah. made a huge difference. Well, I loved that first Xbox uh, in part because Sega kind of made the jump over there right. from the Dreamcast. And yeah. as a Sega fan, that was sort of where I got my got my Jet Set Radio future. I got my Gun Valkyrie. I got uh, I got some good stuff out of that system. Ugliest console ever? Oh, super Original ugly. Original Xbox? Yeah, gross. Um, what do you guys think in the chat? What's the ugliest console ever? I think Xbox. It's up there. It's I mean, better than what they are going to make, which oh, is going to be an X. Oh, the big silver X thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that, Actually, it was a step that kind of would have been awesome. <laughs> it, they should make, um, like for the 20th anniversary, they should put that out. Yeah. If, like, it, make where, a micro console. No, make it that big. Like, go the, go the <laughs> other way. Go, go the, not, not NES Mini, Xbox Mega. Like, yeah, just, just yeah. do this giant original Xbox. For the 20th anniversary. That can play the four games anyone cares about. It can play, Xbox. play Halo 1, Halo 2... Jet Set Radio Future and Phantom Dust. That's it. That's pretty much it. I can't and, and Night Blaster because fuck it, Nightcaster, <laughs> Nightcaster. But we used to call it Ass Blaster. Right. On, yeah. On the team. <laughs> All right. Let's move along. Uh, so a new a new gaming website launched this week called Glixel. It is uh, a new gaming site that's a part of Rolling Stone. Hmm. Um, and on their launch day, they put out this great feature where they interviewed Amy Hennig. Uh, as we all know, she's working at Visceral on a new Star Wars game. Um, a lot of people have labeled the game Uncharted Star Wars. Right. And, you know, I think it was pretty safe to assume that that she would just make a Star Wars game with the Uncharted template. And so this interview, and this interview ended up getting sent everywhere. It was shared everywhere because, you know, it was like their marquee piece of content for their website launch. And, you know, they pushed it, and it was, like, kind of front and center on their page for their first day. So everybody was kind of sharing it, and it made all the rounds on Facebook and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. The headline was, Amy Hennig's Star Wars game is not Uncharted Star Wars. And, you know, with, with social media, and I think we learned this with the election. Like, with social media the way it is today, there's nobody checking to see if stuff is accurate anymore. Mm. There's all this false information that goes out and fake stories and things like that. So what happens a lot of times is when a story gets disseminated out, all that people ever remember or see is the title. They won't actually click on it and read it. They won't actually research it to see if what is in the article is true or not. They read the title. They either like it or they don't, and they move along. And so... I saw that title, and I was like, holy crap. So I actually I went and read it. <laughs> I actually went and read the feature, and it was a great feature, yeah, a really good job. I read it because great. I love Amy Hennig. Yeah. And anytime anyone interviews her, she has something uh, interesting and intelligent to say. So 
I'm I'm curious if you feel the same way, but do you feel like that headline's accurate? No. It's not. No. It totally is Uncharted Star Wars. Pretty much. Like I mean, the only... I mean, I think it'll be more open in places. than I feel like... I think it'll be like Witcher 2 Star Wars. You know, like yeah. it'll be a big area you can run around, but it... I'm, I mean, we saw that, you know, what, three seconds of foot... Yeah. I think that's going to be like Uncharted. In a well, here's, ways, here's right? why I say this, is because the quote that they're pulling that from, first of all, doesn't say that at all. No. And they are inferring that from her saying that it's different from Uncharted. That it's not going to be... Uncharted, which is well, she said that, but she said it's different from Uncharted Mm -hmm. in that one thing that Star Wars does that Uncharted doesn't do is spend time focusing on the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Like in Uncharted, you always follow the good guys. Yeah, it's all from Drake's point of view until four, right? Right. Supposed to care about Sam, and then the bad guys show up and you interact with them, and then they go away. But you're always staying with the good guys. In Star Wars, and if you do hear the bad guys' point of view, it's because Nathan can see them, right? In Star Wars, though, in the movies, yeah. you, you spend a significant amount of time with the bad guys and learning about them and getting, in some cases, you actually end up like kind of caring about them a little mm-hmm. bit. And that is what she said, mm-hmm. is that in the, in the Star Wars game, you will spend time with the bad guys and not just the good guys. Right. It had nothing to do with the structure of the game, whether it's linear, whether there's cover-based shooting... Well, because whether like, it's really cinematic, well, because Amy is is a story person first and foremost. So when you talk to her about that, you know, her, the first thing she's going to think of is it's not like Uncharted because you get you know the 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 bad guys in Uncharted are basically cartoons, yeah, and they're not like that in the Star in any Star Wars, any good Star Wars, the villains you understand who they are just because you know you see Vader talk to the Emperor, you see. Vader lecture the the bounty hunters not to disintegrate Han Solo, you know, right. like, stuff like that. And now I I do think this is a young Han Solo game because it feels like it's going to come out right around the time the young Han Solo movie comes out in 2018, which would be May 2018. Yeah, maybe it's not based on the movie, but it looks to me like the era's right, uh, the timing's the right. The timing's right. Character kind of looks like he, from the back, and yeah. that little bit of footage he could be. A young Han Solo yeah. type, you know, I, I, I think that's what it's going to be. I don't think it's going to tell the same story as the movie, but I think it's going to be Han Solo when he's younger. And it's going to be Uncharted Star Wars. Uncharted Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're going to take cover behind, you know, waist-high walls. There's going to yeah. be blaster fire all around you. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. But, like, yeah, but, you know, maybe you will play as Boba Fett yeah. a little bit. Maybe maybe you'll, there will be, you won't just be playing as one person in this one. You know, it's possible. That might be all she was talking about. Like, you're going to see from the bad guy's point of view, which might mean sometimes you're going to play as him. Yeah. And I just wanted to bring this up. I don't want to talk about this very long, but I wanted to bring it up because I feel like a lot of people probably saw that headline in their Facebook feed or on Twitter, maybe didn't read the article, and they're like, oh, my God, it's going to be like this open-world crime drama. No, it's going to be like Uncharted, but set in Star Wars. So, And look, I get why Glitzel did it. It's their first day. They're trying to get some attention. Create like a clickbaity kind of headline to get people to click on it, so people notice your site. And uh, we never did that. Maybe we should have done that, but <laughs> it appears to have worked for them because it was shared everywhere. So I can understand why they did it. Sifted but... Shane Satterfield. Sifted will not be like game trailers. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, maybe I should have done something like that. But, Come watch uh... our podcast with Marcus Spear to prove that it's nothing like <laughs> exactly. game trailers. Well, actually, that didn't last <laughs> well, in very end, long. Yeah. In the end, it really didn't. So, yeah, kind of funny. So, all right, let's move on to the next topic. Next, we're going to talk about a game that we actually mentioned on the show last week when I mm. I felt like I thought it, snowboarding games were kind of over. 
and that everything that kind of could that could have been done in the genre had been done, and uh, that I didn't see a lot of leeway or latitude for snowboarding games to change or improve significantly going forward. Matt, you were in the steep beta, mm-hmm. and so was I right or was I wrong? Um, I think you were right. Oh yeah. Because, All right. Because, <laughs> because it didn't. It That's was, the first time someone said that about me in at least three months. <laughs> it didn't really grab me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it should be noted that I don't have any kind of personal interest in the subject matter to begin with because yeah. I'm not a I'm not a snow bro as, hey, as uh, Smart hey, Fahey would man. say. Yeah. Um, but um, and it's very pretty. It's it's you know you can see here it's it's beautiful. Um, but it's simple. But it's very simple. I mean, it's pretty there's much not, just... There's not a lot to it, really. It's just like, you better like going downhill on a board. Or, I mean, look, uh... it's not hard to make a snowboarding game look good. No. I mean, look how many objects are being drawn there. A well, bunch also, of like, cut-and-paste trees. This, this is actually good because like you can see here like the little dotted line thing you're following. Yeah. There is so much white on white in this game yeah. that I'm like, I don't... I mean, this is really clear weather here, but I've been you know up higher on the mountain where you're like, it's snowy and bl- the wind is blowing stuff. I can't see the line I'm supposed to oh, be really? on much of the time. It was, what is it was the line for, weird. though, Matt? The line is sort of like a suggestion of, of your path. You don't have to follow it. Um, although, unless there's gates you have to go through on some of the races, it, it helps. Um, and in fact, it might be a, like the path of another player if you're playing like someone else's route. So Because you can like look at your previous route and um, upload it as like a challenge race kind of thing and you can pick what time, you know, it can be like do this this many, you know, gain, get as many points as I got from, from tricks in this amount of time or beat this time or whatever, thing, you know, that kind of thing. It's, that's the thing is like um, it's very pretty uh, <laughs> I guess sort of like the Ferris wheel. It's very beautiful, it's very cold and you're not allowed to touch anything. Um, there's very little interaction with the actual environment beyond the, the trail of snow you leave. There's not a lot happening. I got stuck on buildings. I got stuck in things. I mean, it's a beta, so like that's going to Is there happen. not like a reset button? Oh, there's, that... a, there's a reset. You hold oh. triangle and you reset. I mean, the, to its credit, the reset is instant. And okay. you're going to need it because you're going to screw up a lot. Um, I fell over a lot. I hit things a lot. Uh, you were right. Is it hard? No, but like it just... I don't think I was concentrating very hard. Oh. Like, I, like it, it, this game did nothing to grab me as someone who's sort of a casual snow fan. Uh, it just didn't. Like the tricks are very subdued. It feels very, uh, I guess, realistic. But it like, looks like it's more of like a sim than a little bit. But it's also like super simple to you know, you know, tool around and do whatever. Like it doesn't feel as like involved as like amped. You know, where what's going amped, on right here? He's on. A, it's on a ice lake. What the I guess. hell is going on right there? You can't just keep going if you don't have a hill. <laughs> no, now. <laughs> that I will admit that's my favorite thing in the game is if you switch to the uh, wingsuit. The first when you move the stick, the first thing he does is launch. Yeah. Whether he, whether whether it's correct or not, he'll just fall on his face. No so wait, what. can you switch to the wingsuit just on the fly? Yeah, you can switch to anything, whatever That's kind of cool. So, you can swi- so you- after you go off a hit on the board, you can just swap to the wingsuit and fly? Um, well, not in like, mid-air. Like, where does the board go? <laughs> the board disappears. <laughs> it- <laughs> okay. So you can switch, so you've got that little radial menu, and like, in the middle is walking. So you, you switch okay. to the middle, and you can walk around. Um, and then you've got whatever you were last using on you. So like, if you were snowboarding, and you switch to walking, you've got the snowboard on your back. Yeah. Uh, if, you were in a, if you were wingsuiting, you switch to walking, you're wearing the wingsuit, you look like a duck. Um, and it's, it's, you know, so on and so forth. 
so basically you just instantly switch into whatever gear you need. Uh, and you can choose, you can equip different gear for each type of sport. But you sport. can't do it, like, on the fly. In uh, you can't do, yeah, you can't wings, you know, like, leap off a cliff as uh, in the snowboarding thing and then switch to wingsuiting in, in midair. Because that would be think. too much fun. Uh, pretty that much. That would actually give it a unique feature. SSX would have done that, but <laughs> yeah. this ain't SSX. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's probably my main issue with it. It's like it's not it's SSX. Not SSX. <laughs> I mean, it, and it's you know, if you're not into the kind of the the scene, I guess there's nothing there for me. Like I, you know, like there's a lot of like it's like it's like you know, go up on this new thing and like you know, check out. You know, it's, it's not as like obnoxiously like let's be extreme buddies as like Forza Horizon is, but yeah. it's it's there and it's like. You know, I I got some videographers up from the whatever, and like they're gonna film you, like do some tricks in front of them, and like we'll see if we can like get you some sponsors. Like, great, I get uh, to see another corporate logo, another extreme and, like, sports game that's just all about getting sponsors. Pretty much, like there's a lot of that, and then of course it's like, all right, you did a great run, switch to this thing, and now we can like look at the the replay, and you can edit the footage and pick your best moments. I'm like, fuck you, I you don't care. Have the video <laughs> guy do that. I'm the snowboarder. He's the yeah, video producer. Nobody like, snowboards. That's like going to cut not, our own video. That's not part of the thing. It's not part of the thing unless steep is in reference to the editor's day rate. I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> and like I you know, like that and that kind of gets to where I'm at about like, you know, there, there's a big emphasis on like, sh you know, creating your own content and sharing with everybody and like, you know, create your own race, create your own run, like find that sweet run, bro. And but like can you it, actually build it and like put ramps down and everything and No, hits? like you just you go down it it just records and then your it line, records basically. your line and then you can like kind of each dot on the line in the mountain view, like you can like like assign a place as like you know get the tri do tricks here or whatever stuff like that. It's um it's a little obtuse. I assume there'll be a little more explanation in the final game. Well, um, it comes out in like a month, right? So. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just that's just not interesting. Like I don't care. I don't. I mean, look, I don't even watch my friends' real snowboarding videos. I'm not right. going to watch somebody's <laughs> like fake imaginary snowboarding right. video. You were right. Also, that um I don't think the wingsuit is okay. The parachute is terrible. Oh like, really? Like it's just it's it's slow and weird and hard to control and like it's, it's no not pilot any fun. wings. No, it's not. Wingsuiting's pretty fun, although I do tend to hit the hit the wall a lot in it. Yeah. Because like to get points when you're doing wingsuiting, you're supposed to do dangerous stuff, which mostly means fly, fly close, close to things. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's hard to gauge distance, and sometimes you just hit the tree. And yeah. uh, and you, there is there you do level up your. Uh, it's called bone collector. So it's like you do level up your um, failure failing. Like uh, okay. like you get you do get points and bonuses and experience for crashing. Like so, that become you become an expert in crashing. That makes perfect there's sense. There's like there's different XP for all the different types. So there's like XP for being fast. There's XP for doing a lot of stunts. There's XP for doing challenges. There's XP, you know. So like, what? However, the idea is like however you want to play the game, uh, it's gonna reward you for doing so in right. some way, um, which is cool. Uh, I just don't want to play any of it at this point. <laughs> like I look, it, it's, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not for me. And it is an open beta this weekend, I believe, so everyone should go try it and see if it's something they want, because who, I'm who not going to make for, that... it for, though? It's for people... Well, that's it's for the... real snowboarders, isn't it? Well, except I know real snowboarders, and, and I ask them about suit. it, and they're like, I'm just going to go up to Bear this weekend. Like, I don't, no you know, riding. <laughs> like, that's the thing, is, like, there's no... There's not a lot of fantasy to this, except for the fact that, obviously, you can't wingsuit on, at whim in yeah. real life. But, like... Like, I just, you know, there's nothing here that I find particularly interesting in terms of, like, the snowboarding or snow sport fantasy the way, ow. That looks like fun. Yeah. I mean, there's some great <laughs> wipeouts in this game, no question. Um, there's nothing there that really, like, 
draws my attention in terms of like you know the fantasy of snowboarding the way like um, the way SSX did it. I can't, you know it was it was ridiculous, but it also sort of felt like it were it was real enough to kind of keep you there yeah. or like amped where it was like complex or you know amped i hated was, amped amped was like complex enough to sort of like you know give you something to work with or like I, if it was something like on the lines of like skate three but yeah. like with snow sports where like um that's kind of the vibe i'm getting off of this game though but skate, skate was skate three was so much more complex in like all the things you could do and, and i don't know if it, it just hadn't introduced me to the full trick system yet but basically you can you can spin you can flip like horizontally uh, and you can grab the board. Are there any rails? Not really. I mean, I you, haven't seen any. No, there's, I didn't. I don't see any rails. There's no like sliding or grinds. You can kind of grind on like thin rocks, I guess. But like, I didn't notice it was <laughs> thin rocks. What's well, the other thing is, I didn't know. I don't always notice when it's giving me points for stuff because, as you'll notice, the points are white. Yeah. And I don't always see. All right. I can't always see <laughs> against the white snow. Fifty shades it, of gray. It has a lot of weird UI things, and like, of course, you know, to to. To go new places and try new runs or whatever, you back out to the mountain view, uh, which, like, is weird to control some places because you have to kind of, there's no three, you know, it's, it's kind of a Diablo angle and, like, you have to sort of scroll over stuff and find where the new places are. So there's, like, little columns of light or, like, whatever that show you where the new stuff is. And so you just go up to it and highlight and say, like, try that and you just teleport there. Like, like there's very little, there's an odd, there's oddly little sense of place, you know, where, like, like we're SSX um, three. I'm always gonna go back to SSX three because that's my touchstone for this stuff. Great is game. like, is like you know how like you kind of there were places you could drop in, you know. And there's base camps in this game uh, that I originally thought were gonna be like that. Like the base camp is where you start from if you want to do these runs. They all kind of start from here. But no, you can teleport directly to almost any event. And like there's no real sense of getting to where you want to go, which I guess is fine because running through the snow is annoying in some places yeah. because you're just sort of jogging through stuff and you're like, why am I not snowboarding? But at the same time, why am I not doing something fun? <laughs> right. I think is the question. But at the same time, like it just didn't, yeah, it, it didn't convince me to pay 60 bucks for this thing, that's for sure. This thing's going to cost 60 bucks? That's is it be, not? I don't know. I, I that thought, seems like a really I tough it was sell. A, I thought it was a full price game. I, I might Doesn't right. look like one to me. Um, but, I, you know, again, it's open beta this weekend, so I think everybody go play it if you're even vaguely interested. It's not for me, but um, I'm not going to say that it's not for anybody. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't, just didn't do it for me. All right, so let's move on. We're going to talk next about Dead Rising 4, but more specifically co-op in games. So basically what happened is right now IGN has all this exclusive content. It's running on Dead Rising 4. And... First it showed gameplay, and then it showed a trailer, and then one of the last things it put up was co-op gameplay. Mm -hmm. And if you actually watch the video, it's an IGN editor playing with someone from Capcom, but they mentioned that it is DLC, the co-op. Um, and so it's something that like you're going to have to download separately, and I think it's going to be free. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think it's going to be free, and it's something that you eventually download. But it's a separate mode that mm -hmm. you play. It's not you and a buddy playing through the regular single player together. Mm. And it's funny because IGN put the video up like two or three days ago. Which two and three did have that. Uh, right, exactly. And IGN put up the video like two or three days ago. People just today figured out that like... <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, I saw it and I was like, okay, like, you know, we mm. curated it or whatever because they had the exclusive and it was something that everyone else didn't have. So we put, we put it up. But today, everyone starts freaking out about it, about how the last two games had co-op and this one doesn't. So my first question is, does it matter? 
not to me, but yes, I'd say it does matter. Why? Because people love playing these co- games co-op. Do do you? I don't, but tons of people, like, constantly when I see people who like Dead Rising, they cite playing co-op as, like, their favorite thing about this game. Really? Yeah. You know what I've come to the the epiphany of is that I don't really like playing games co-op. I used to. I don't think I do. It's so hard to get schedules to align, and, like, I always worry, like, some, like, you always end up the thing where it's like, well, am I wasting this person's time, or, like, do they want to play anymore? It feels like too much of a dance. I just it want right one is a pain in the ass setting it up two if you play with randoms it completely sucks oh I never played someone there is going to grief yeah. you and, or ruin the whole experience I mean bad enough playing the the couple of watchdogs missions I did with with random co op this past weekend but even playing with like friends like I feel like you're always having to pick up the slack for someone who sucks or mm. or you're. You're playing a level that you shouldn't be playing yet, and they have to, like, cover your ass all the time, and you're just dying, like, over and over. Mm. I honestly just don't have much fun playing co-op through campaigns. I just don't really... I can't remember the last time I did. Left for Dead, maybe. Like, I, think I, I have played every Halo campaign co-op since co-op was invented for Halo, so... Um, two and onward. I have never played a Halo game other than one alone. Um, that is it. That's the only series I've done that with. Uh, Gears of War, uh, I played co-op. One and, t- one and two I played co-op. And um, after that, I think... Uh, I just played Gears co-op. I and I hated it. I didn't care anymore, really. Also, the guy I played co-op, the person I played co-op with, we both sort of fell out of interest for the series. So yeah. when three came out, we're like, eh, yeah, it yeah. wasn't a thing anymore. Um, so yeah, it's not really a not really an element in my. It's purchase not a decisions. selling point for me anymore. No, me neither. But like, I think it is a selling point. I for think a it's whole not, lot of people. right. I get that some people like it, and I realize for some people it is a selling point. But for me, like. It adds nothing to to the game that would mm. make me want to buy it. Yeah. Like, it's not like a bullet point that I look at. I'm like, oh, that put it over the top. Like, that's not how I look at no. co-op. No, I'm same. But I think um, that doesn't mean I want it gone. You know, because, like, there's people that really want it. And, but like, and would... Dead Rising, the Dead Rising games have kind of, like, built themselves, you know, across two and especially two, but also three on the idea that they're co-op games. And, like, the games are so crazy and wacky and weird, like, I think it makes sense to, to have that option. But let me ask you this. If I told... If they came to you and they're like, Hey, Matt, <laughs> will you tell us how to make our game? Hmm. And we'll give you the choice. We can give you... And this for Dead Rising. Well, you can tell us to create campaign co-op or competitive multiplayer. Which one would you choose? For me or for, like, the... For you. For me, campaign yeah. co-op. Really? Yeah. I think a competitive multiplayer in Dead Rising could be flipping awesome. Well, you care about competitive multiplayer, so... Yeah. I do not. I would rather have... I would be much more likely to use campaign co-op than competitive multiplayer in a game But imagine going against each that. other with all these crazy weapons, how much fun it would be. Mulcher, like, against your friend, like... Don't care. Really? No. You don't think that sounds like fun? Not really. I think it's probably just going to be annoying for whoever gets mulched. 
I think that sounds like a great idea. Imagine if somebody rolled after you in that crazy truck with like the com- yeah. the combo. Well, because it's got to be. Oh, look! I mean, the the fire breathing t- triceratops skull. That's right. Awesome. Imagine but that bet- against the combine. Yeah, imagine that not being useful in multiplayer at all because there's three different weapons that actually are better than everything else, and everybody uses those, and it's fucking boring. That's what competitive multiplayer is to me. Yeah, it's just going to be. Shot- I think you're whatever- simplifying it way too. much. I am but- simplifying it way too much, but like basically, it's going to come down to whatever the equivalent of the shotgun is in this game. That's what everybody's going to use and that's all it is so i don't care um so if i was going to pick one i would pick uh, co-op because at one point i might actually use that i probably wouldn't use either of them i'd yeah. probably just play the game right um if i was gonna if you're gonna ask me to make that decision based on like you know what i think would sell i don't really know the answer to that like because competitive multiplayer modes and otherwise campaign focused games sell the game to anybody like is that a thing i think that's a case-by-case mm-hmm. basis i mean it depends on how good the multiplayer is i in particular with dead rising i really think there's like untapped potential there because of how crazy the weapons and the vehicles are in the game like it's the type of game that i would play competitively and not care whether i won or lost which is really rare for me because i'm crazy competitive and i do care and i care about my kd and all this other stupid frivolous stuff but i would play competitive dead rising 4 just for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Just to, like, have a mulcher or take control of a fire-breathing... Like, it's a little bit like Saints Row, I guess, in some ways. Where you just have these over-the-top weapons that you can use. And half the fun is just seeing what they do when you use them on enemies. And toss the zombies in there is like, collateral damage. So it's not just you and five dudes going after each other with the weapons. Like, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I, I personally would enjoy that, I think, more than... A campaign co-op because the other thing too is that like i actually find dead rising to be a little like atmospheric and scary i realize a lot of it's tongue-in-cheek like a lot of zombie movies in all honesty but also like a lot of zombie movies there's kind of this underlying tension like there's still a little bit of fear there because mm-hmm. you're dealing with zombies and the undead and and hordes of them that can become overwhelming very quickly so i don't know I, I like playing games like that by myself because when you play with other people, it kind of diffuses like all the fear. It's like the difference between being alone watching a horror movie or watching a horror movie with other people. It's kind of the same thing. Like watching it with other people, some people j- laugh here and there or whatever, and it kind of breaks the tension. Like I prefer <laughs> to play games like this by myself where it's just me versus the game. Mm-hmm. At least a campaign. I prefer one. that almost every in every game. Like I prefer me me versus the game without distractions. Yeah. Um, usually, like if I'm gonna usually Halo is an exception for some reason, but usually I'm gonna if I'm gonna play co-op, I will play through the campaign on my own first. Yeah, like that's kind of like where co-op has its place for me is like I'm gonna play through the game on normal or whatever, and then we're gonna go through the hardest difficulty in, on co-op. That's how I do my evals. Like I play through the game by myself, and once I'm done, and I've had I've unlocked all the chapters. Because the other problem too with co-op a lot of times is. If you haven't made it as far mm-hmm. as everyone else, you can't play, or it's hard to matchmake. Or so, it just skips you ahead, and you're like, I don't even know what happened now. Or you yet. get destroyed. Yeah. yeah, and everyone's just like reviving you like over and over again. So I play through the whole campaign, then I go back and play co-op. But the people I was playing co-op with in gear, some of those people had not played like, any <laughs> of the game. And they were like, oh, spoilers! And I'm like, well, then don't play co-op, dumbass! But like, it's the game! How can the game spoil itself? That because, well, because sense. they hadn't got there yet. They, you know, they got matchmake. They were matchmake with me, and I was farther in the game, and they ended up getting put into the game parts that they hadn't experienced yet on their own. And they were, like, complaining about it. So, just another reason I don't like co-op. So, I just thought that was an interesting topic. I feel like co-op is one of these things that people just assume everyone likes. 
and assume that it's a bonus to have it in a game, but I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I feel like, you know, when you're talking about you have finite resources when you're developing a game, I feel like in some cases it would be better to divert those resources in another way instead of putting it into campaign co-op. Just my opinion. That's, that's possible. I don't think the place to divert them from is a throwaway multiplayer mode, though. Yeah. Well, I don't think it'd be throwaway if it was fun. I think I, I consider like basically any multiplayer mode that doesn't last like a year with a community to be kind of a waste. Like really, yeah. Like I, I feel like most multiplayer modes in a lot of those. Games most of them like, don't, by the way. Hmm? Most of them don't, by the way. Don't make lie. it a year. Oh, I know. That's why I think most of it's a waste of time. Like, like I mean, know, some people just want to have get an extra month or two of play out of their sixty bucks. Like I can totally yeah, understand but that. it's just like it's so not on par with the best of multiplayer. You know, as, as someone who played. Probably more multiplayer Fall of Cybertron than he should have by yeah. any rational means. Like, you know, in the end, you're like that that multiplayer in that was difficult because like it was fucking broken. Like, yeah. it, like you know, and like you run into that all the time with those sort of kind of B list competitive multiplayer things that you don't. I mean, you do run into it in like Call of Duty and stuff, but they patch it. You know, they actively work on yeah, it. Yeah. And like, I just I would never want to really waste my time on something that wasn't like an A lister in terms of. Competitive but that's why I think Dead Rising would be perfect for this because it it's not about like your KD or anything like that. Oh, it's but just they like, but people would make it into that. Like it, yeah. your battle plan would not survive contact with the enemy on this one. I don't think. Yeah. I, I I understand what you're what you're talking about, which would be fun if you could like gather like you know 12 people that all agreed to play like adults but like it's like that's i have not what online game i have is. a chainsaw taped to the end of a kayak paddle like yeah i mean well, that's a big part of sorry this. i have a sawed off shotgun and that kills you way faster than hitting me with a chainsaw you're or not, does it you're dead or does it do i have armor that keeps it always does <laughs> it always does all right shotguns are the best weapons in game. if they would mount a shotgun on the front of the X-Wing in Battlefront, you could win that Death Star <laughs> thing in, like, one shot. That'd be the How end awesome of it. awesome would that be? <laughs> Just duct tape it to the front of an X-Wing. <laughs> you have the X-Wing do, like, that, like, the gears are all roll yeah. thing, and you're done. <laughs> Death Star explodes, we win. Five seconds flat. That's great. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Super Mario Run. Finally, pretty much all the details are out about this one. Uh, Nintendo put out new media, shows off. There's three different modes you can play. Um, there's like a rewind feature in the game. So I guess it's not an infinite runner if you can rewind. It's an infinite runner with a redo feature. I yeah. Guess. Um, game is free to try, mm -hmm. but it costs $10. Called it. Come, yep. Totally called it. Coming out December 15th, so about three weeks to wait. Matt, how do you feel about the price here? Obviously, we know Pactor has mentioned several times he is not enthused about Nintendo charging premium prices for mobile games, even despite the fact that it's Nintendo, and Nintendo believes mm -hmm. it has the cachet yeah, I don't and the quality his, games to... He had a good mathematical <laughs> argument of, like, if you charge, like, a dollar, you get, like, this many... Probably get this many more downloads, and, yeah. just, and you end up making more money than charging 10 But But again, I think around the same time he said that, or maybe before, I was, like, nine ninety nine to start. Like yeah. it's gonna be ten bucks or or higher, and um, and so it is. Uh, I mean, it's like I think they'll sell just fine at that price. I mean, people will pay it. You know, if 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 Do Square if Square can charge those ridiculous prices for their Final Fantasy remakes, including that Final Fantasy VI one that makes me want to throw up because of that weird art style they put on it. Yeah. Um, on the App Store, like ten bucks for this will be fine. You know, I don't know how I don't know how many more times they can do that. You know, I don't know if Mario uh, 
Yeah, Super Mario Run 4, I don't know how people are going to pay it. I don't know if people are going to be willing to sell it 10 bucks for that one, but this one is a kind of a special occasion. Well, I doubt there's going to be a 4. I'm assuming they'll just put out DLC for this for until yeah. the end of time and, and milk even more money yeah. from you. 10 bucks to me, I mean, that is the upper 10% of... Mo- I mean, actually, yeah. if you look at the whole breadth of mobile games, it's the upper 0.5% because most mobile yeah, games very are free. Few that are that, uh, yeah. I mean, there are very few mobile games that you pay for. Do you think that... Do you think Nintendo is going for the mobile gaming audience or do you think that Nintendo is trying to get people like us off the sidelines and into mobile gaming? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, I mean certainly... And it doesn't make any sense, and I know it's happening in my brain, but I see that, and I'm just like, well, if they're going to charge $10 for it, it must be pretty good, you know? Like, you know, if a 99-cent game, I don't have a lot of expectations from on a, on a mobile platform, but if it's 10 bucks, I, I assume it's like a, you know, quote-unquote real game. And uh, Don't you also think, though, that if, it, if they're charging $10, it better be damn good? Oh, yeah. I and if it's I not... I don't know if this looks like a $10 game to me. You know, if it was an actual real Mario game, the first real, you know, Mario game. Well, sure, game, but they're never going to charge you 10 bucks for that. Right. <laughs> I mean, we know the bottom price for a new Mario game is 34 bucks. Right. That's the least amount you're ever going to pay for a Mario game, a real one. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I don't, am I going to pull, I'll probably do the free download thing and see how it is. I don't really see myself paying ten bucks unless it grabs me in a way that Mar- no Mario game has ever grabbed me before. You know? <laughs> Somehow I find that very hard to to imagine that Probably that's going to be the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it'll be super successful. And, you, know, you do? Yeah. Without no a doubt. No question. I, I think they'll. You know. What's your prediction for the first month? How many? Let's not say active users. I don't know if we'll ever get the data though for how many people actually paid for it. I don't know if we'll get paid. All they're ever going to yeah. tell us is how many, how many people downloaded it. Yeah. So let's let's try to guess that. How many people you think will download Super Mario Run in the first month? The first month? Yeah. Like, so just December? Yeah. I'm going to say it'll get 10 million. Really? You think that many? Oh, yeah. Really? I'm kind of guessing in the dark here a little bit because I don't really remember what standard numbers for like popular mobile well, what games are. What did Pokemon are. Go do in his first month? I don't remember. I really don't. Maybe it wasn't less than that. I don't know. I honestly think like... Didn't Pokemon Go have like 20 million at some point? I don't remember. Chat, help us out. Yeah. You got Google. You can uh, figure it all out. I, uh, 25 25 million. 25 million Pokemon Go. In the first month. So that's for a free game that turned into... This is still free. Yeah, and I guess we are talking, We're talking about, about downloads. downloads. So maybe 10 million is way too low. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see this turning into the phenomenon that Pokemon Go did because Pokemon Go had a gimmick, right, and a hook, and it's AR and it uses the I don't environment. Think it'll be as visible. And it makes you walk, but... and I mean, but people waited so long for Mario on mobile. Or a real Nintendo game on mobile. It's hard to guess. That's a really hard thing to to guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pactor seemed to. Uh, it was, what, he said something like 50, he was like a million. He was like fifty million in the first year revenue, though, and right. like then like half that the second year, and then nothing after that. Like yeah. he was basically like it's going to hit big, it's going to have itself, and it's going to vanish. Right. Um. So fifty million is. Uh, you know, that's five million people paying for it in the first year. In the first year, hmm. 
That sounds about right. What's the conversion rate is my question. Well, they also lose 30% to Apple off every right. sale. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if it kind of caught fire and did between 5 and 10 million downloads. Not purchases, mind you, yeah, but yeah. downloads. In the first month. Yeah, especially off the back of, like, it's Christmas, people get a new phone, you download Mario. That's a good point. I mean, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it probably will do around that. Um, I cannot come up with a number in my mind for whatever reason. I mean, hell, 10 million people bought a Wii U. <laughs> yeah, this, but it took four years. Yeah, but this is free. Yeah. And everybody already has the platform. I mean, I'll say one thing. I guarantee you it'll be the most downloaded app of yeah. December, without yeah. a doubt. And probably January. Yeah, but I also feel like it's one of those games where it's it's a it's dust in the wind. It's like mm-hmm. it's there and then it's gone. It's not this thing that people are going to keep talking about. Right. Well, I think it's going to do better than Mitomo. Oh well, yeah. But of course, the issue is like it doesn't have anything to get people talking to each other. You know, there's no. As far as we know, as far as I can, I've seen, there's no element like Pokemon Go kind of self-sustained itself while, you know, where people met each other and everyone was playing, it became like a phenomenon, and then they did that one update that everybody stopped playing from. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is this man, what a tor- only for iOS at first. Right. So that first month, it's what just tor- iOS. There's a lot of iOS machines out there. There are, now. yeah. But there's a big, uh, I mean, man, they sure torpedoed Pokemon Go in an in a efficient and ruthless way. Um, I presume they will not do that to this. Pokemon Go is still, still doing really well. It is, but it's not doing as well as it could have if they hadn't um, borked a bunch of stuff about yeah. it and people didn't like the changes. Um, yeah, I think I think it'll do just fine. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think five to ten million downloads first month. Mm-hmm. I think though, as far as purchases, one million in the first month. One million purchases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a 10% conversion rate sounds about right. That's a high conversion yeah. rate. And I'm allowing for Nintendo's cachet for that high conversion yeah. rate. Yeah, I can go with that. I could, I could guess that, yeah. Are you excited for it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mario, run, I can't, I can't. I mean, I'll play it because it's like, oh, Nintendo, Nintendo thing on a mobile thing. That's cool. Interesting. But, like, no, it doesn't. I'm, a, I'm excited for it because I hadn't thought of it in like two months before it showed up on the on the list today. I mean, it's not a it's Nintendo not a thing typically on my has radar. a way of coming into a space and being disruptive and doing something mm-hmm. different. Yeah. And I've played a ton of Endless Runners, but I've never played a Nintendo Endless Runner. I mean, look at Splatoon. Perfect example. It's a shooter, but is it like it's this mm-hmm. weird kind of like hybrid shooter platformery thing? Like, and so we don't know everything about Super Mario Run yet, and I feel like. They could do some things to disrupt the genre a little bit. Yeah. So I'm well, excited for that. I think you already see that to some degree because, like, you clearly have more control over Mario in this game than, yeah. than you do over most Endless Runner characters. Oh, you're it's right. Not, it's not. I mean, it's simple in comparison to a full-fledged Mario game, but it's not simple compared to your average Endless, Endless Runner. Runner. You're right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, certainly if it was a standard Endless Runner, I wouldn't even wouldn't even be paying attention. I wouldn't to even it. play it. Probably. Right. <laughs> But, like, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what Nintendo's take on that kind of idea is. Um, but it's certainly not, so it's not on my calendar, shall we say. It's just one of those things where I notice people online or, you know, people on Twitter are talking about it. I'm like, oh, I'll go to Iowa, the App Store and download it and see how it is. That's, you know, that's just how it is. It's the same thing I did with Mitomo, basically. I, I, I hardly touched Mitomo. I, expe- I played Mitomo for about two days. I, it was like a, a half a day for me. Yeah, I had no was, interest in it at all. And uh, I was like, this is exactly what I thought it was, yeah. a cheap social network, basically. Yeah. And uh, this one, will I play longer than that? I don't know. Hopefully. I'll, 
It's going to be real interesting to me if I get to the end of whatever the free part is and I decide that I want to pay $10 to play more. Yeah. I don't expect I will, but I am not going to rule it out because every once in a while Nintendo does something that just hooks me. So. All right. We got to get moving. We have a ton of topics to get through and not much time left. Next we're going to talk about Titanfall 3. Uh, obviously we've talked about how the sales have been kind of underwhelming. It has gotten worse in the last week, Matt. Um, Titanfall 2 right now is down to $30 at Walmart. Mm. I mean, we are out of here. We are approaching Bomba territory for mm -hmm. Titanfall 2. <laughs> Uh, EA has gone on record saying, oh, we're all behind it. You know, Titanfall 3 is coming. And then Respawn today, Vince Sampella says, I don't, basically said, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, well, like, no, he said that in front of the PR rep. Yeah, you know, the PR rep says, we have, EA said we're committed to Titanfall, as a, uh, to, committed to the franchise. And Vince said, there you go, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, <laughs> like, like literally, wow. whatever the F that means. Like he literally, Yeah, he, that was, like, that's a quote. Whatever the fuck that means. Well, right, gotta, right in front of the EA people. So. You have to imagine that uh, Vince and Respawn are pretty salty about where this game was released. Yeah. Because we've been talking about it. Pactor's talked about it. It seems like everyone in the world looked at where this game was releasing and said to themselves, that's a really bad idea, except EA. And look, EA may say, oh, you know, we don't care. It's a long-term bet. One, that's a lie. They do totally. Mm -hmm. EA does totally care how much this game sells. But two, they're completely ignoring the fact that there's this team of, like, 200 people who busted their asses for, like, two or three years on this game who would like to be, see it be a success. I mean... Yeah. And there's a lot more to do in this, in this universe, I think. You know, it's yeah. a shame. This game is so good. People go buy this game. Go buy it's thirty dollars. Go buy the game for yeah, thirty dollars. That That's ridiculous. It is worth that. Remember, and I said, some. I said, like you know, I was saying when we talked about all these things, I was like, Infinite Warfare might be a better pick because like Activision games don't drop in price, and like you'll be able to pick up uh, Titanfall two for like thirty bucks in like six to eight months. I'm like, I didn't mean six to eight weeks. Days. Like, yeah. No, that was days. <laughs> days. Wow. Thirty dollars. Yeah. I feel terrible for the. It's, it's a it's a such a waste of potential. It's a waste of a great game. Yeah. Go play this game. It's so good. Oh man, it pisses me off to see all the hard work that went into this. I mean, when you play it, you see the craftsmanship and the attention to detail. Oh, yeah. Like it's well, it's they like they didn't mail this game in. When playing the campaign, it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you're playing the, the first campaign by the guys who made Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare Two since Modern Warfare Two. Yeah. And you can see it. Yeah. You can feel it. Like, you have, you, there hasn't been a campaign by those by that group of people for seven years. Yep. And here it is, and it's and it, you can feel it. You're, you you know, it's like watching a really good movie. You know when you're in the hands of a master. Yeah. And these guys are the best. They this. they are at, at first person shooter campaigns. They're the yep. best. And uh, I will say, Infinite Warfare is a great campaign. I enjoyed the living hell out of it. Didn't mm -hmm. enjoy the rest of the game all that much. Uh, this is the better total package to me. If you're going to buy one shooter, I stand I think by. This is, I think this is the better campaign. It's shorter, but it's 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 the better. I campaign. don't know. I think that's a kind of a different strokes for different folks argument there. I think Somewhat, they're both like, great. There's a lot. This thing's doing a lot more in it 
No, for sure. And like Infinite Warfare's campaign is great, and I love the setting, and I hope they do more of the setting. And I feel they're not going to do any more of the setting because it's selling so poorly compared to the other uh, Call of Duty game. I'm I'm afraid the Infinite Warfare setting is going to vanish after this game. And never did you finish the Infinite Warfare campaign? I I have not. It's actually like longer than I thought it would be. It's worth getting to the end. I'll get there. Those of you watching too, like I just got sucked into Watch Dogs. Yeah, that was kind of the end of that. That's how it works. But Titanfall 2's campaign, I'm like, it's it's just that certain something to it. It's too short, but like. It's super good. Do you think there's going to be a Titanfall 3, Matt? I do. You do? I do. Why? Um, Because I think everyone involved acknowledges that this was just a mistake. Do you think another publisher maybe picks it up? Or does EA own EA that has, IP? EA does not own the IP. EA has first refusal. Oh. So well, what if, hey, EA, EA doesn't want to do it. They can shop it to somebody else. Which... Could very might. well happen. So I think I think Titanfall three. Even will though happen. it's EA's own fault that the game is doing as poorly. Well, as I think it'll is. happen one way or the other. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll give Titanfall another shot. Hopefully, they weren't leaning on sales of this game to keep respawn afloat. In any, I don't know what the financial situation is. There. I doubt it. I'm, I have a feeling EA just paid them straight up for right. the game, paid them more than enough to rationalize developing it, and then gave them points mm-hmm. based upon sales, which is probably also why Vince is pissed off. Probably. Because he's like, look, you know, we made our salaries for the last three years, but he knows better than anybody where you make your real money mm-hmm. is in those points. Or if you sue Activision. Right. <laughs> but the reason he sued Activision was because, because they, they owed him that money. They didn't give him the points. Yeah. So... Well, they did, but then they didn't pay him. Right, right. What if, but that's right. They did not reward him for right. the points that he earned. And uh, so he's probably like, he knows the kind of money oh, yeah. you can make off of that stuff. And he's like, look, they just sent us out the dock. And that, and that uh, I think, apply, you know, that, that company is very big on sharing success with all of its employees. So I'm yep. sure like a whole giant chunk of that company, uh, you know, isn't going to make the money they thought they would personally because... This game's not selling the way it was. Put, it should have sold. We also think about it. Every corporation, when you are offered a position, they try to incentivize you to take the job with them. So they'll tell you, "Oh, look at our benefits," mm-hmm. and they'll tell you, "Our benefits are worth twelve grand a year." Mm-hmm. You know, just our health insurance, and everything. And you're like, "Whatever, dude. It's health insurance. Honestly, it is worth that much if you had to yeah. pay for it on your own." But you go to another company and you get your health benefits too. But so I'm sure when Respawn was hiring people on, when they were beefing up the team for Titanfall 2, they're like, look, points. Mm-hmm. I'm, you're getting this salary right now. It may be 50 grand as like a programmer or a QA guy, but you will make so much money right. off the sales and of now this it's game. like, all right, everybody, just hang on till the Star Wars game comes out. Right. <laughs> I mean, so he's, you know, Vince is put in this position of yeah. like, oh, crap, I promised this to these people and I'm not able to deliver on it. I'm sure he's about ready to freak the F out. Like... I'm surprised it took him this long to drop the f bomb in front of EA. Yeah. Like Vince, Vince will speak his mind. He will. If you, if you That's one of the things stage. I love about him. Yeah. Like he's great. He's the nicest guy. Oh yeah. He's but great. don't mess with him. Mm-hmm. I think he taught that lesson to everyone with Activision. Like oh, yeah. well, and he, I mean he's always been pretty outspoken. I remember standing around. Uh, we were at. Uh, I was cover, doing a segment on the on the launch night of Best of Modern Warfare Two at Best Buy. And we were standing together, uh, watching like the the APC roll in, and he was telling me some shit that like I was. He was like just he was just talking about all the things he hated about having to develop this game and all the terrible things that had happened and how you know look at all this stuff and this is all because we did this but we don't get anything out of it. So right. like like he was being like super like straight candid. up like uh, candid about everything. He always is like that, and like you never feel like you're getting you know, the company line from him. He's a, he's a, he's a stand-up dude, and it sucks that um, he's had to go through all this, like, annoying stuff and these terrible legal experiences. Yeah. Uh, just just out of, like, 
all he he and those guys have ever really done is just make really good shooters. That's it. Going all the way back to Medal of Honor, Allied Assault. Yep. All they want to do is make the best shooters they want to they can make. Yep. And they do it every time, and they just keep running into these weird corporate problems. I will actually disagree with you. I do not think there will be a Titanfall three because. It needs a big publisher with deep mm. pockets to make it, and I think if the relationship with EA goes sour, I don't think you'll see another big publisher willing to invest mm. in it. I could see like a Deep Silver or some publisher like that being like, "Oh my God, like we have a chance to get Titanfall," and then go talk to Vince, and Vince be like, "We need like two hundred million dollars to make it," and Deep Silver being like, "Oh, sorry." Like, I think Titanfall three will happen because uh, they still got to make that Star Wars game. Yeah, and they still got to keep that relationship happening, and they're you know they make a really good Star Wars game for EA that does well for them. They could that possibly could be their, that could be their price basically. Right. Like, okay, they could like get we, a blank check, and at this that time point. don't release it in the middle of like you know two eight hundred pound gorillas, and we'll see if we get something out of it. Or EA could just be like, oh no, you're making another Star Wars. They game. could. That might have. That's true. <laughs> Which might actually sure. be far more likely. Well, this this Star Wars game takes place in. In the different time era right. where they used mechs. Right. And look, man, Titanfall with lightsabers, done. Yeah, that'd be I'm sweet. In. <laughs> I'm in. Jedi Fall, I don't care what you call it, just yeah. bring it in. Jedi Fall. All right, let's move along. Next, we're going to talk about a game I have been playing a lot oh, yeah? over the last four or five days Pokemon Sun and Moon. Which one are you playing? Moon. I put a poll, I didn't put a poll up. I, I wanted to put a poll up on Twitter. I put up a picture and said, which one? I wanted to have a poll there, but unfortunately, with Twitter, you can't put up an image and a poll at the same time as mm. one or the other. So I just put up the image and said, which one? And overwhelmingly, people told me, Moon. No one had any reason why. <laughs> one person said, I heard it's better to choose Moon, but no one really had like a reason. I just listened to my Twitter followers, and uh, I chose Moon. Um, just for reference, I've played pretty much every Pokemon game except for Ruby and Sapphire. Um, X and Y is the last one I played extensively. That's the one where they finally went to these 3D the graphics. Last um, the last one, except it was not the, then they did that one and then they did the remake of Sapphire and Ruby. Right. That's the one I didn't play. Turns out I played Sapphire and I forgot. Oh, really? Because I found my Sapphire cartridge and it turned out I, I did finish that game and I totally <laughs> forgot that I ever played it. And that is an excellent segue into my discussion <laughs> on Pokemon Sun and Moon is all these games have been the same for so long. Mm -hmm. And you're right. They absolutely just all bleed together. You can't remember anything that happened in them. You can't remember anything specifics. Because they're all basically mm -hmm. the same template. And so, all the pre-release hype about Sun and Moon was that, oh my god, they've made all these drastic changes. It turns it on its head. It's and, in uh, Hawaii. Yeah, it is in Hawaii. And uh, so, a ton of reviews started coming out before I actually started playing it. And generally, if I know I'm going to play a game to evaluate a game, I try to stay away from reviews. But unfortunately, with Sifted, you kind of have to at least read the headline of each one. Uh, when you're curating reviews. And I just kept seeing these glowing leads, these glowing blurbs about it turns the series upside down and still captures the spirit of it. Captures the spirit. It's the same damn game still, dude. Like, <laughs> no wonder you think it captures the spirit. It hasn't freaking changed. Like, 
so yeah, like you mentioned, it takes place in Hawaii. It's called Alola or some crap mm-hmm. like that. And you play as this young boy who just moved to Alola from where all the other Pokemon games took place. And you're new in town, or not in town, I guess. You're new to the Archipelago or whatever Hawaii is. A it's collection a, of yeah, islands. It's an, it's an island chain. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. There's probably some term for it. I just It's just not coming to me right now. It's a volcanic island chain. I, th- I think an archipelago has to be near Smaller a Smaller islands? I think it has to be near a continent. Oh, okay. Some, I think it's like a... I might be wrong now. Yeah. So... You're new, and everyone comes up, hey, you're a new, you're a new guy, I love Pokemon, blah, blah, blah. But basically what they've done is just renamed things. So, you know, one of the big bullet points about this is there's no gym leaders. And, and you're like, at first you're like, oh my god, no gym leaders? Like, how do you make a Pokemon game without gym leaders? Like, madness. Well, how, I'll tell you how you make a game with no gym leaders. You just call them kahunas. Like, ah. it's the same structure it's the same thing instead of going to these different areas there's four different islands that you go to when you go to each of the islands i believe there's eight different trials you have to complete before you can take on the kahuna Hmm. it's the same thing like i honestly don't see much of a difference in this you know obviously we've already seen these 3d graphics i will say the game is by far the best looking best presented pokemon ever Without a doubt. Even better than that, like, crappy GameCube thing that came out. What was the name of that? <laughs> Pokemon Stadium? No. GameCube. GameCube. They put out, like, a single-player, like, RPG for Pokemon on the GameCube. I can't remember what the name was. Someone in chat Someone in chat will tell us. I don't remember that. Yeah. It was not good. This is better than that. Mm-hmm. But... Once you kind of get over the visuals... And, I mean, let's be honest. After you play... A Pokemon game for five or six hours, you end up turning off all the battle animations anyway. Because you see all the attacks after the first five or six hours, minus the new moves in this, which are called like the Z moves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you can only watch Tackle and Constrict and Peck so many times where you're like, I get it. I know what it does. So you end up turning it all off and you just end up going through the battles as, as fast mm-hmm. as you can. Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. That's it, yeah. I can kind of see the cover to that, but wow, I never touched it. Who came up with that? Vox, good one. Vox 91. Yep, that was it. I played all the way through that, by the way. Quickly followed up by Wowdy Wabbit. I played that all the way through like a fool, by the way. I didn't even review it, I just played it. Look, I used to love Pokemon. Really, like... I love Pokemon. I used to get really excited for each release, and like, literally, like... And I was excited for this one, because of all the marketing that had come out about how I was turning everything on its head and like I start playing it and I'm like and it is it starts a lot slower and it's a lot more cinematic there's a lot more cutscenes and things like that but they're all like just frivolous and they're mm-hmm. made for kids it is Pokemon yeah but I don't know this one especially feels very juvenile to me hmm. I, I don't know why I don't want to say I've outgrown Pokemon or anything like that, but... Especially because we were, like, 24 when it started. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to say, like, you outgrew it when you were, like, 20 when the first one came out. But it does feel like this one, maybe a little bit more, even, is made for kids. Mm. Like, there was always kind of, like, innuendo in some of the games where they kind of give a nod and a wink for adults. But I don't really get any of that from this one. Um, But you can pet the kitten. Yeah, so a big component, <laughs> a, one of the new components in it is, like, photography. Mm. 
Like you get this like basically you get this little gadget that has a Pokemon living inside it, and it acts as like your map, and it acts as a camera. And at certain points, there's like little breaks in the wall, and you have to like look through the hole and like try to take a picture of Pokemon. It's like bringing in Snap a little bit, mm. I guess, to it. Except there's not really any action shots. Like the object is to try to get the shot of the Pokemon facing forward. Mm. And for whatever reason, that's like one of the new elements in the game. I already mentioned like the Z moves. They're basically like special like finishers for Pokemon, and they are elaborate. The first like couple times you see them, they're worth watching. But you know, after you see it two times, it kind of wears out its welcome pretty quickly. And and like I said, after I played it for six hours, and I already seen like the Z moves uh, for the, my Pokemon that are in my party. I hit, I pretty much just turned all that stuff off and just went straight with just data basically and just. Mm-hmm going through the battles. Um, though there is one feature that I really love that I can't understand why it was not included sooner, but after you fight a certain Pokemon type, when, you, when you're in battle and you go to look at what move you're going to use next, if you've already fought that Pokemon type, it will tell you how effective that attack is going to be mm. on the enemy. Why has it taken this long for that feature? Why? Mm-hmm. Dude, it makes no sense that it's taking this long for this. Like, instead, they're like, oh, no, go on the internet or get a strategy guide or buy a book and look at this stupid-ass chart. Like, why? Memorize your element tables. It's so dumb. Like, why do they wait so... I'm so glad it's there now. What should happen... I think think the reason it's happening is because uh, they finally realized, I think, with X and Y, that they've added enough categories. You can't expect someone to reasonably memorize all that. I mean, kids Red and blue, it was... It was pretty, yeah, but they added, they kept adding more and more, and I think at this point, like, it's just, there's so many that why not just make it a, you know, why not just put the information there in It's game? very nice that it's in there. Yeah. Like, I, that is probably, in my opinion, the biggest and best improvement to the game. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, to me, that is the change that makes the biggest difference to playing Pokemon Sun and Moon. And so, after all this, I will say, I am still hopelessly addicted to this game. Because I just, I'm a fan of the series. And it's so easy to just sit there and watch television with my wife, watch a television, and stay semi-engaged with her, semi-engaged with the TV. If she talks to me, I can just close the 3DS, set it aside, and engage with her. And so it's become like this sidekick (laughs) of mine. (laughs) You know, it's like, like, you know, today when I was working and I was preparing for the show, I had it sitting there next to my computer open and when I finish with something, I'd pick it up and go through a couple battles and put it back down. Like, it's the perfect handheld game. It always has been. That hasn't changed. But that said, like, anybody who is kind of fallen for the hype or even read some of these reviews, like, go back and read those reviews and see what they're actually saying when they say it's been changed. Because the stuff that they're mentioning is so insignificant and pointless. Yeah, I mean, this really looks like an expansion for X and Y more than anything else. Like, just looking at the footage. Um, You know, the overworld is pretty empty and barren. That's the one thing I didn't like about the change to X and Y from the old 2D Pokemon. The old 2D Pokemon, the towns and everything were just bristling with people and places Mm -hmm. and, like... Especially coming off black and white. Yeah. uh, was like, those cities were big. Right, exactly. There was stuff going on. And in this game, because I think a big part of it is that just the 3DS just can't draw that many buildings. And so... Like, a lot of the cities are just, like, barren streets with, like, a building, one building, mm-hmm. like, per block or whatever. 
It's time to put it on the switch, boys. It is. Like, time, time to grow up a little bit. It totally is. Um, and again, like I said, I am addicted to the game. I am enjoying it. But it's it's really is just another Pokemon game. I mean, I'm gonna play it. I have it on order. I you know, I've been doing the mythical Pokemon thing all all year. Collecting them. I just I, I had uh, lunch with Leffler. Some people, Michael Leffler. Some people may know from G4. We had lunch in, over at uh, over near GameStop. So I dragged him in and had him get me an extra Genesect code from them, so I could put that in two of my different games. Um, I like Pokemon. I'm, I'm I've been playing it on and off for a long time. Uh, and uh, I liked I liked played X and I played Omega Sapphire or Omega Omega Ruby and I liked them both so I will play this one as well. I'm, I was gonna play Moon but now maybe I think maybe I should play Sun because everyone else is playing Moon. Uh, here's a question from someone in chat. I like that we're able to pick up some questions here in the middle of the show. Uh, Shane, did you nickname any of the Pokemon? I never ever change the names of Pokemon. Neither do I. I never do. Does anybody do that? Some they definitely do because I have some that I gotten in trade on X and Y and uh, on X and Y and, uh, and Saf- Omega Sapphire and Alpha Ruby, Alpha Sapphire and Omega Ruby, because um, you put them up on the network and you ask me, you know, I, here's this thing. I want oh, to there trade. are elaborate. The network. Oh yeah, I should have mentioned that actually. The connectivity options in this game oh, yeah. are insane. They've really stepped insane. up in, over the last couple of couple like, of generations. So complicated, I hardly understood them. But there's get- like this whole other area that you go to and like. As you play, like, new stores, like, plop down mm-hmm. as you, like, gain FP point. Like, right. There's a ton of... It's, like, MMO-level stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that part of it... I you can put up, like, you know, if you're looking for a specific Pokemon, you can put up... Here's a... You know, you put up... You hatch the Pokemon out of the eggs or whatever, and you put them up on the, on the network and say, I want this. Usually it's, like, a starter or whatever, yeah. you know, because, like, starters are hard to get. Yeah, yeah. You know? If you... And um, don't play the you don't want to play the game over and over or whatever, and trade them to yourself or whatever. So people people do that or like older starters where like, you know from previous games that you, you don't have you can't import. And people continually they'll trade them to me, but they always have stupid names. And like so like uh, you know I tried I tried to build a living Pokedex in X, which is like you have a, an actual physical monster. You know it's not just like oh I have. Uh, I have a Pokedex with you know Bulbasaur and right. Venusaur. I have, have a Bulbasaur and right. a Venusaur and a, you know. Um, so, I get traded these things, and they have just these stupid names. Like one guy just called one guy called all his damn Pokemon Bob, and like so, I've got a few that are in my Pokedex that are just all named Bob. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's like it's not like I'm going to reject it because I just want one in the slot. I'm never going to use it, but yeah. it's like it bugs me that his name is Bob. Well, or I just they, don't or like they... going through my list of Pokemon and not knowing what you, what each one is. I don't know by their icon which Pokemon right. they are, and I'm sure there's kids out there that know every freaking icon and immediately what it is. I'm not one of those people. I like to know when it's a pigeon or haunting or whatever. Like, I want to just be able to see its name and be like, oh, yeah, I need a mm-hmm. ghost type or whatever. Like, I've never renamed my Pokemon. Not one. No. Ever. And it's, I like, the last few games have kind of, like, given you some attitude when you decide not to do that. Yeah, yeah, they do. The first time they're like, you want to name it? Oh, so you're not going to give it a name? Well, no, I'm the, not. The default Asshole. option on this after you get a new Pokemon is yes. Right. It says, do you want to give a nickname to this Pokemon? And no isn't the default answer. So if right. you just try to like push your button and get through it, it takes you to the screen where you create the nickname. Hmm. I've done that a few times, but I always just name them the default name. Yeah. And it just goes... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a middle finger to the game. Like, oh, I'm going to nickname it uh, Pikachu. Yeah. 
jerk. Speaking of which, I have not come across a Pikachu in this game yet. Which is like, I mean, they're the I, worst thing is when you like trade for like the legendary stuff and like someone's name like you know like the the like they named it like Whale, right? Or like <laughs> Lizard Guy or something, and you're like, he's supposed to be a mythical monster from legend, and you yeah. named him like Greeny. Yeah, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Their Pikachu is in the story, but I have not captured a Pikachu yet. Mm. There's like 800 Pokemon in this game, by the way. Oh, they're 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 up there. Yeah. They're, uh, the I other mean, thing I would the say the last too, one was what the last one I think topped out at 649. Yeah. So now that well, yeah, they must be up to 800. And the one thing I will say is like, you don't go through these periods where you're fighting the same Pokemon over and over, like Rattata mm-hmm. or whatever. Like some games, it's like every piece of grass you go into, you end up getting like the same Pokemon while mm-hmm. Pokemon popping out, like. Each patch of grass has like ten different Pokemon yeah. in it. Well, that's, I, I like that about X was that um, there's so many of it. Actually, because I think six, no six forty nine was black and white, and black yeah. black and white. So they're yeah. they're close to a thousand at this point. I thought the number I saw was eight hundred in this, maybe. but maybe I, like, maybe I didn't see it right. But you you like, Rowlet is who I chose, by the way. Of course, I did. Growlet. Oh yeah. Rowlet. A bow tied owl for sure. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to decide between Growlet and. Uh, and the uh, the cat, but um, the crappy part was Rowlet evolved at like level twenty into something I didn't want. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like you anymore. Now you're like this weird like hootie mm. owl thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I would have preferred the blowfish. It's like you don't know. <laughs> it's like you don't know yeah. until they evolve, and it's like that's what I got now. This yep. dumbass looking regal bird. Well, that's the same. Like you know, the, the thing that's like pushing me away from the cat is that like I think its evolutions look terrible. Uh, I didn't look at any of the revolution evolutions before I did any of this. Like I honestly, like I oh, said, I do tons of research. I tried to stay away from like this game because I knew I was a Pokemon addict and I knew I was going to play it and probably do an eval for it. And so I tried to stay away from as much pre information as possible so I didn't get soiled. But I like that there's so many of them now. Like in X, there's just you just get tons of them constantly. There's like, a lot of dumb ones now. Because they could have done something stupid where like you know where you've only you know, there's only certain ones are in each version. Yeah. But like I like that in the as you progress through them, like you can get everything from all the previous versions in one version. Of yeah, the, yeah. You know the only thing that's exclusive are current generation Pokemon. Yep. Um, and they even, I, you know, even in like X and Y, like they, they give you opportunities to just get some of the starters from the old games, like real, real early, like real, yeah. you know. And like I love, I love me a Charmander, so uh, I was happy with stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, the more Pokemon actually tends to make it a better game because you're not fighting Rattatas over and over again. Yeah. So like as much as I, it does annoy me that I don't know them all anymore. Like at least I'm not doing the same thing over and over again. Well, the funny part is, is like I always try to capture the original 151. <laughs> like I'll just run or just kill a lot of the ones I don't know. But if like one of the original 151 comes up, I mm. capture it and I take it. Well, I capture one of everything. You do? Oh yeah. I, I, when I realized how many there were, I was like, screw that. Yeah, there you kind of... I try to make sure I have one of every well, type. Well, because since black and white, I've started, like, you know, import them up. So I tend to have most of them, right. like, moving in. How do you so. do that? Uh, well, black and white, uh, to transfer them... Because the the current system, like, runs through the the 3DS app, uh, the Pokemon transfer whatever. Oh, what's it called? Um, the, Pokemon the Pokemon Bank. Bank, yeah. Uh, that you have to subscribe to. Yeah, screw that. It's like a yearly subscription for, like, 10 bucks or something. Right. Um, so I have that, and then, like, there's, a, there's another uh, app that comes with it that if you have black, white, black 2, or white 2, uh, you can just import Pokemon from that, and then it'll dump it in the bank, basically. 
Um, so you can pull, so basically you can so if you had I stuff should do that <laughs> so yeah well so because I, I so I have stuff from going all the way back to uh, gold golden sapphire so like you finish the game you do you can do the transfer up thing you transfer them up generation by generation up to um, black and white and then from there you can bring them Don't into the X Y alpha omega generation gotcha. and then from them uh, gold sun and moon still use the Pokemon bank so it's, that's all kind of works together and i believe there was something about um the the virtual console versions of red blue and yellow i think you're supposed to be able to transfer stuff you get in that to the pokemon bank now as well i read something about that but i haven't seen any more details on it if that actually ended up happening here's what i would say finally on pokemon sun and moon is if you love pokemon you're gonna buy it and you should buy it 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 Mm -hmm. you're not going to be disappointed in it I think you'll be. You know dis- what you're getting. I think you'll be disappointed in it if you fell for the whole. It's completely different from other Pokemon games because it's not. It's right. Exactly I mean, like every other. But Pokemon also, game. look. If you believe that when Nintendo says it, you deserve what you get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. If you're somebody who Nintendo hasn't... does not reinvent the wheel on their super multi-billion sellers. Yeah. There's if you're no somebody who's burned out on Pokemon, this isn't going to like revitalize your love for Pokemon. It is still essentially the mm-hmm. same game with a little with a few more frivolities, I guess is Although I would say like um I had pl- I guess Sapphire was probably the last one I played before um I got uh, X and or X and Y. And I was stunned when I played that at how much more pleasant it was to play. <laughs> you know? Like it, 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 like the fact that the XP share thing applied to all six of your Pokemon and not just the one that was holding it and stuff yeah. like that. It just felt like it was not... It was, it was yeah, willing to... Yeah, the XP share is huge. It felt like X and Y were, had, was a leap in terms of usability yeah. uh, that felt really good. And that's why I went back and played Black and White. No, and you're like, absolutely right, because... That. So if you haven't played a Pokemon game in, for, in a long, long time, I, yeah. think, I think you'll find that, like, wow, they've really moved it no, forward. No, you're a good point. Like, the XP share is huge. That's yeah. a huge deal. Because yeah. you don't have to, like keep sending it and sharing, giving it to a different oh, yeah. Pokemon. Like, basically, you just have it now. Every Pokemon in your party gets XP after every battle. Mm-hmm. And that helps. It, like, all boats rise, or so to speak. Yeah, like, and you don't have to, like, micromanage things over and over again. There is less micromanagement, I guess. It's that's still there, but it's not as annoying, yeah. I would say. And it's uh, and it's fun to see, you know, as someone who had not played any of the th- 3D ones before this year when Pokemon Go came out, it was fun to see all that stuff in, in 3D and in, yeah. uh, I mean, this one isn't in literal 3D on the 3DS, but it's like, you know, 3D, gra- you know, poly- polygonal graphics. It was fun to see all that done that way. It's such minimal increments, though. I mean, yeah. if you think about how many of these games, like, they should have taken these steps, like, with the second or third game. Like, yeah. it has just been a slow slog G- game to get Freak, where it is. Game Freak does not step forward lightly <laughs> let's, let's put it that way it inches forward so i guess they're the pokemon company now yeah yeah exactly uh well i know game freak's still separate Are they, still, they still make games for other platforms okay. and stuff still too so uh, my eval will be coming i still have a long way to go by the way i've played it probably 15 or 16 hours something like that oh, yeah, those games are not short no they're huge i mean that's the other thing too is like they're the they're great time wasters. Right. And then That's even the best you, way to put it. Well, even also when you finish them, there's usually like a whole second thing. Yep. That, you know, and like, I mean, I mean the, the gold standard is gold. Yeah. Gold and silver, where it's like, congratulations, you beat Pokemon Gold. Here's the first game. Play that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's like one megabyte or whatever. It's yeah. The whole game is... <laughs> crazy i mean we we used to think it was cool you could play the second quest in zelda but right. now it's just like yeah here's the first game screw it go yeah. you know but pretty good you know pokemon is for all of its faults has always treated its people pretty well 
Yeah, you definitely get your money's worth with yeah. uh, Sun and Moon. That's one thing I will say. All right, let's move along. Telltale. You burning out on Telltale's games yet? Yeah. I feel like people are starting to because Batman came out, and at first it was all everyone was excited about it, and then after the first two episodes, like I know just looking at traffic on Sifted, like nobody cares about mm-hmm. it anymore. Well, I think it's you know I don't want to say speak for everybody, but I'm like I'm not paying attention to it because I'm waiting for the fifth one to come out so I can play it all. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter to me until they're all done at this point. You know? and, and also, like, uh, the other thing about Telltale is, like, a new engine, please. Like, yeah. something that looks like it was made this decade would be nice. I mean, Batman looks pretty good. It looks pretty good, but it doesn't look it seems particularly good. Like it's definitely good. the best-looking Telltale And on game. top of that, when that game came out, like, it didn't freaking work. Like, it's yeah. like, like, how do you still have all these technical problems on this, this stuff? Well, I started out, and I was like, oh, okay, we're going to do evals for every episode. And we did the first one, and then the second one came out, like, three weeks later, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, what, we, yeah. we laid down the foundation with the first eval to tell you how it plays and how it works, and now mm. we're going to wait till all the episodes come out, and yeah. we just end up updating that well, eval. I think those are your thing. two big, you know, there's the people that are thinking about jumping in on episode one, and there's the people that wait for the whole thing to be out to see how it all turned out. And I yeah. think those are the two, I mean, there's going to be, you know, Outliers for them, but those are your two big audiences, and those are the two things to hit. I think you're right in that in doing that. So, the big announcement is, or not even really an announcement yet, it's been leaked out that Guardians of the Galaxy is the next Mm. Telltale franchise they're going to tackle. How do you feel about that, Matt? It makes sense to me. I figured it was either going to be Guardians of the Galaxy or Spider Man, yeah, uh, because it just seems to fit Telltale's tone and humor. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is absolutely perfect, yeah. I honestly can't think of another Marvel IP I would rather them tackle next. I think Spider-Man would be your next one because to, to get to do kind of the, the the really sarcastic, quippy version of Spider-Man. But uh, this is probably the right call. It's just it gives you a lot of characters to bounce off, stuff off of. It gives you a lot of dialogue potential. Rocket is a very telltale, you know. They did well with Sam and Max, and I think yeah. uh, Rocket's the closest you've got to Max in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I think you've got a lot of... Uh, they're taking the right direction on this one. I think you hit the nail on the head right right in your first sentence, is that the characters and the breadth of the characters and the volume of characters, mm-hmm. likable characters, interesting characters, are what is going to make it a perfect fit for these two properties. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my one of the most pleasant surprises at the theater I've experienced in a really mm. really long time. I mean, part of it may have been my expectations for it. I had never heard of it before Dude, the movie I've, came out. I've been reading comic books since I was three years old. When they announced that, I had to look them up. Yeah, I had no idea who these characters. And were. so I, my expectations were so low, and I absolutely love that movie. It was the best Star Wars movie since Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or actually, maybe since Empire Strikes maybe Back. Maybe since Empire Strikes yeah. Back. Yeah. <laughs> For being Hate honest. Hate to say it, <laughs> but it's true. Turn, turn the Jedi. But I walked out of there, and I had—I mean, I was much older than when I saw Stars for the first time. But I had that same sense of like wonderment mm-hmm. after I walked out, and I just felt good. Like, mm-hmm. I loved that movie, and I'm so glad they're making another one. I'm so glad they're making this game. Uh, but to answer my own question, I do think that Telltale's formula is starting to run dry right like i don't know what it can do to spice it up i, I mean I think it's not need, my job to figure that right, out but, but i think they need to upgrade the tech to give them more you know options for how to do these things help basically. characters emote better yeah. and because i mean that's what their games are all about yeah and it's just like getting to the you know where i look at up at the b-roll and i'm like well i know that's batman because of who's 
who I'm seeing or whatever, but it could just as easily be a shot from The Wolf Among Us or, yeah. you know, any number of, of, you know, of season two of Walking Dead. Like, you know, the they've got a house style. For sure. And uh, I think that house style can survive a transition to a more powerful engine, a more versatile engine, uh, but they need to do it at some point. And, yeah. Uh, it's time. Hopefully, you know, I, I, when I think of Guardians of the Galaxy, while I do think character and dialogue, I also think like some crazy big high-scale cosmic, you know, hijinks and explosions and, you know, like, you know, something on the scale of that big fight at the end of the movie, like, I don't see how you do that in the current engine, so I'm hoping they're going to step up their tech game as well as their storytelling game. Okay, let's move along. Got a little a fun story to talk about here. So, uh, Clueless Gamer... One of our favorite mainstream gaming segments, at least one of mm. mine anyway. A lot of times when the mainstream tries to tackle gaming, it ends up being embarrassing, poorly produced, uninformed. But Clueless Gamer from Conan... Clueless Gamer takes all those things and makes it the point. And runs with it, yeah. right. I mean, it's called Clueless, Clueless Gamer. Gamer. Like, yeah. I, it's so self-referential, like, it, they get it. Mm. And I would argue... Or they get that they don't get it. Right. <laughs> Right. And I would argue the greatest episode ever of Clueless Gamer just aired this week. Conan O'Brien playing Final Fantasy XV. It was a total slaughter. Oh, yeah. He laid that game to waste. Him and Elijah Wood. Mm. Elijah Wood, by the way, who's a huge gamer. Clearly has played Final Fantasy before. Oh, yeah. Knew what a Chocobo was. He, yep. They, oh, my God. The best part <laughs> is after they lay into this game for like seven or eight minutes, just totally making fun of it. Like, and it, the points that they yeah. make are all, all completely about, well, valid. Here's the thing. Like, if you're in the Final Fantasy fan bubble, uh, this is what Final Fantasy looks like to someone who is, who is not. not. Yeah. This is like, to the, to the people who make a two million selling game, a 10 million selling game, yeah. this is what they see when they look at Final Fantasy. If, if you ever, if you love Final Fantasy... At least the more recent Final Fantasies. <laughs> and you, Elijah's look, look on his face. Yeah, this I whole know. Thing. And like, you, oh, I love this. What is this? Like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> and you ever wondered wh why and how some people <laughs> don't get it? Watch this. Yeah. And you will understand how those of us who are not huge fans of Final Fantasy feel about the most recent Final Fantasy games. When you try to apply logic outside of fandom to these games, it, it's a train wreck. <laughs> they make no sense whatsoever. The best part about this whole thing is at the end, when they open the door and all Square Enix's PR people are there. All, like, 20 of them, by the way. And the looks on their faces. Matt, do you think that this was a good idea for Square Enix? And I look, know. We, we know that... There's no guarantee when you give a game to Conan whether he's going to like right. it or he's not. He's going to be honest. I mean, you're here for you're here here for exposure. You want people yeah. that might not have otherwise seen this game existed to see it through this segment. And that I mean, this is by far the most discussed clueless. There it is. Segment. There is with yes. he looks in the PR people. All the people, like, PR people who have been hearing this the whole they're time. Like, I want to kill you. And, the, and you know they all went. Crops <laughs> will not be brought in from the field. <laughs> 
Oh, they're mortified. They, look oh. at the smiles, the fake smiles on their faces. Yeah, yeah, this, this PR training in full effect right they're there. They're like, just mm, open your grin. mouth and show your teeth. That you don't have to really smile. It's just... uh, it, but here, <laughs> this is the most talked about Clueless Gamer segment in a very long time. Right, which is why I'm asking you. Like, was it worth it to take the game on there and get it laid to waste, ultimately for the publicity that it gets? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's like if I'm—I don't have a perspective of someone that has never heard of this game before, and to see like, maybe like seeing their first exposure through this. Maybe someone sees all these boy band, <laughs> 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 all these boy band teenagers he running through the desert. The maybe you see all these boy band teenagers running through the desert in their leather outfits, and you're just like, "Oh, it looks really cool. I want to push a car." I through can't. The, through he's the like desert. trying to kill the guy who set it up. If you have not seen it, go watch it. Highly recommend it. it and, the, is... and the one part they do like is the Adamantois shows up, which is about the size of a city block. Right, right. And they're like, "Whoa, that's a... what?" And and like the one guy like, like takes like a seventy-two hours to fight him. Like yeah. I don't know what that whole thing I don't is either. about. That seems like some some information. Yeah, bad information up. there. But either way, it ends. Elijah Wood is surprised that it ends, and then they're like, "What the hell was it like?" I can see someone who doesn't know what this is and knows not kind of not to take these segments literally uh, as more than like entertainment, seeing like kind of the giant monster and be like, oh, that looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll yeah. try it. Like, it probably sold a few extra copies. Maybe. It actually made me excited for the game because I think it's going to be terrible. And I'm looking <laughs> forward to like slogging through this thing and having that fight. Like, I'm, I'm kind of excited now. Yeah. It is, look, it's curated on Sifted if you want to find it and dozens of other episodes of Clueless Gamer. Just uh, click the magnifying glass in the header, <laughs> search for Clueless, and it oh, will pop man. right up for you. So let's move on. We're running out of time. Another big story this week. Phil Spencer went on record as saying Xbox Scorpio will cost more than the Xbox One S when it comes out next year. Duh. Yeah, I mean, you think it's a PS4 Pro to PS4 Vanilla situation? I, I or you think, think it's going to be more. more? I think it's going to be 500 It sure sounds that way, doesn't it? Because I don't see any other reason to put it this way unless you're preparing pe for people to see this thing to be more than anything else on the market. He is priming the pump yeah. right now. Yeah. He's, like, setting the expectation. He's setting the bar so that when the price comes in next year, you can be like, I told you it was going to cost more be than a lot. the one S. <laughs> We thought PS4 Pro was already, yeah, but I had to tell you it was more. I was like, if you know, because people kind of accepted the PS4 Pro's price. Yeah. So if this thing was just going to be another four hundred dollars, I don't think he would be setting the groundwork up this this far out. Five hundred dollars is a lot to ask for a it video is. game console. Well, I ain't buying one. So. <laughs> You're not going to buy a Scorpio? No. Why would I buy a Scorpio? Why would you not buy a Scorpio? Because there's nothing I have to play on it. Well, there might be though by then. No. It's every, the whole point was Xbox Anywhere. Everything's PC and Xbox. All right. Yeah, like so I'm just going to play it on PC. PC like I have no, no reason point. to... Yeah, you're right. I mean, Scorpio is really for people who don't want to spend a crap ton of money on a PC. Yeah. But still want to get comparable performance. Yeah, which is, which is fine. I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't exist. I'm just saying I don't need one. Yeah. Which is the first time I've ever said that about a mainstream video game console. I, I honestly don't think it'll be 500 bucks. I no? just I just think that's too much, man. I just don't think that that's a mass consumer price. I, I think... Well, I think they're already positioning it as like a luxury device, though. They are, but I still think it'll come in at like four hundred bucks. I bet they'd like it too, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm still I'm still seeing five hundred on this thing. I don't know. I think this thing's gonna be more powerful than the Pro in a, in a notice. Oh way. yeah, oh so. for sure. I think it's gonna destroy the Pro as far as performance is concerned, but. It's also coming out a year later. Yeah. But all the components are a lot cheaper and not that much cheaper. I mean, the Pro I've... a year from now could have dropped fifty bucks, like. Mm -hmm. I'm still guessing 500, but uh, I'll go four for Microsoft. With possible for, 450. 
for Microsoft's sake, I hope you're right, but I feel like he wouldn't be talking like this if it was the same price. No, as you're the not. Pro. I mean, look, it, that's why I put it in the show because yeah. that raised red flags for me. Like mm. he's never said anything like this really about hardware ever. So when I saw that, I was like, whoa, like, let me back Wait up a here minute. a second. Yeah. yeah, it definitely gave me pause. So I still think 500 is too much. I think Phil Spencer's I do not disagree Xbox with that. is too smart. They saw what happened to the PlayStation. They won because of the PlayStation 3. I would be shocked. Yeah. Well, it's not it's 599 US dollars. Right, it's which 500. Which is the important part. But yeah. 500 is climbing up into that red zone, um, especially when you already just sold everybody that the Xbox One. S, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, one Xbox One S is probably be cheaper a year from now. It'll yeah. probably have dropped fifty bucks by then. Um, I mean, so what you're going to ask an extra two hundred and fifty dollars for Scorpio? It's real powerful. That's a tough sell, man. It That's is. A re- and how powerful will it be? That powerful? I mean, I don't even know if we have really the final specs yet, but I don't think we have the final specs. But it will be more powerful than anything else on the market that oh, isn't yeah. a PC. So yeah. at that point, you're kind of like pricing it to be a luxury item but i don't think for them it will be a luxury item at that point though it'll be like their next console yeah like they just need it they need it to freaking sell because their their base vanilla version held on a lot longer than sony's did i feel like this debate is happening inside microsoft as we speak probably yeah well maybe not now everyone everyone went home (laughs) we're the only ones still awake right now (laughs) let's move on to the last topic of the show we're going to talk about dishonored 2 Matt, you've had you've been going through hell with this game. Yeah, it turns out that uh, the the subject from last week's show was correct, and the PC version is not so good. Yeah, because I think last week I brought it up, and you said that like it was people were saying it was erroneous just, reporting. Or it something? was just the it was just the ten series. Uh, yeah, and it, tur- it. it turns out it really it is turns a out train it's wreck. something else. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on. Uh, I can't get it to run more than about fifty frames per second uh, on average, um, which is ridiculous on on my Titan X. Uh, card, which is like, so like you know, I, at, at ideal situations at like 1440p, it runs at about 70 frames a second uncapped, um, which is ridiculous because if I uncap Battlefield One at the same resolution and on Ultra, it runs at like 140. Yeah, and it's like, and this game doesn't look as good as Battlefield One. Let me put you that. Oh but, no, nowhere near it. But like on this, like this scene, uh, it drops to about 20 frames a second. Because the thing is, like, with my experimentation with it, um, anytime there's some kind of reflection in glass or water or anything like that, the the frame rate just tanks on this game. And even the turn- frame rate isn't great on the PlayStation and 4 even, version. I turned it, turned everything down to very low settings. Exact same performance. So that just it shows there's something. There's something wrong yeah. happening there with the, with like a reflection shader or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was there was a there was a guy on Reddit who posted a screenshot. I think he was running running the game at like two forty by three hundred. It was still running <laughs> at twenty four frames a second. I mean, wow! It's like, I mean, there is yeah. That's when you know there's something, there's something bad wrong with the code. Yeah. With the game. And Harvey Smith on Twitter confirmed that there's like a there's some they're working on it. There's a patch coming, but he doesn't know when. So I basically you know, and I tried to play a little bit, but it's just it's just not you know. I could I could play it probably at a steady thirty, but why? <laughs> like why not just wait until it runs properly? Well, I'm playing it on the PlayStation 4. So this one's all you. Yeah, I'm playing it on PlayStation 4, and it does not run very well on the PlayStation mm-hmm. 4 either. It dips and stutters pretty frequently. And this despite the fact that, in all honesty, it's not a, that good of looking of a game. No, it doesn't seem like it's really blowing the doors off anything. I mean, I like the art style, but it doesn't look like, you know... It's funny to me that, like, Doom 
I think looks better than this. Oh yeah, for and sure. It but runs it's the like same engine. Butter. Yeah. Now Doom's. I think Doom is id Tech Six. Oh. This is a, this is the old engine. Oh well, that makes sense then, doesn't it? Yeah. This is the old engine uh, with like Arcane has built a bunch of stuff on top of it, so it's a different. You know, they don't call it the, that anymore. But like, uh, yeah, I don't think this is this is the previous generation of tech from this year's Doom. I think. I mean, I honestly don't know this, but maybe you do. Was this game originally developed for last gen? I don't know. Because that's what it looks like to me. Mm. Like, playing the game, it feels like this game started life on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, and then was... Feels like pretty late in the game for that to have happened. Maybe it was delayed. I mean, when did Dishonored come out? Was that 2008? uh, Dishonored? Yeah. The first one? I thought that was like 2011. Was it that late? No, it it was after Skyrim. Yeah. Which was 2011, so we went in 2012. Okay. So four years later... Yeah. Well, no. I don't yeah. know. It just, it looks to me like... I mean, part of that is art style, I think. It, it's... But it's not. It's, tech, it's technical. Like, the amount of polygons and things like that in mm. the game. I mean, just the amount of effects in the game. Like, look at that. Like, notice how, like, when he turned into stone there, it was like three frames of... There's... The, the arcane just doesn't have the talent graphically to do what a lot of the AAA studios are doing right now, and certainly not in that room on my PC. I mean, look, this is a, like one of the bigger moments in the game, in the early going of the game. This is actually the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. When you get out into the world, like it's not even as impressive as this. No. I guess that that, r- that throne room is like the coolest thing you're going to see for a while. For a quite a while, yeah. Um, out, I mean, the other thing too, texture seams. Look at look at the texture seams. See yeah, on the ceiling? That's bad. Look at them. The whole game is. It, it doesn't look like that on my on my computer. Just so that's that's, look, that's yeah that's that's bad. The whole game is like this, Matt, on PlayStation Four. Wow. Like every you look at the ceiling, like all the textures. There's white seams in the textures. Like it's like I said, it looks like a game from last gen. Like it just doesn't have that extra polish and it doesn't have like a lot of the visual trickery that have just become commonplace in games like shaders and things like that it's just this very flatly textured colored lit game the shadows pixelated it just it's not a very good looking game i guess it i I think the art style is debatable mm-hmm. you know art style in general is in the eye of the beholder generally I'm not a huge fan of it. I wasn't a huge fan of the art style in the first one. It kind of continues that same thing. Um, I don't like that everybody's got giant hands. Yeah, I mean, it's just very... It's unique, I'll say that much. Like, yeah, there's not unique, really a lot of other just, games that look like that, this. That, if, if you just uh, saw that, like, that case, that glass case in the yeah. background uh, with the, the, the ship in it, that, if you look at that in my game, the frame rate drops from, like, 70 to, like, 35 or 40. Yeah, like it's, it's that is and nothing else in the room. It's just that case with the glass reflections tanks it. But see, here's the thing: it's like, like it. you have these underwhelming visuals, and the engine still can't keep up. Yeah. like it's just well, the thing I don't get, I, I don't see why it needs to be in this art style. No, you know what I mean? Like it's like 
especially when you see stuff like uh, in the in the tutorial section, like there's that part where you're where you you are supposed to sneak up on Corvo, and there's that giant whale car- carcass. Yeah, yeah. That looks like almost photoreal and yeah. stuff. Like like there's parts of this game that look super real, and it's part and the character but the characters look like they're out of some kind of weird DC animated universe thing. A lot I don't of really times they use art styles to hide that. technical yeah. issues and. I mean, that looks great. It doesn't look stylized. But, but like, you're looking at something are... from, like, a mile away. Right, but, like, still, it's more like the architecture shouldn't dictate what the people look but like. But, I mean, you, know? you look at the textures on those, on the curtains before he came back in the window. Like, mm. look at that texture on the windowsill. Like, I will say it looks better than this on my computer. Well, I'm sure it does. Like, you have a PC that's but insane. Like, well, also just PCs. This is the PlayStation 4 version of higher level uh, texture like quality textures but like yeah none of it makes the character models look any better yeah you know what i mean well because like, they are what they are right yeah like like see like the tech the texture and the and the uh, you know the the feel of what it would be like to feel her uniform on pc is very tangible much yeah. better than that but the face looks the same yeah. pretty much i mean it's it's still set of that stiff sort of last why the long face oh <laughs> I say, I say the nay. <laughs> um, but let's talk. Look, this game isn't necessarily about the visuals. No. People play, enjoyed, and played and enjoyed the first Dishonor because of the gameplay, and that is really what the series is known for. No one ever said the first Dishonor was this technical Se- by tour series. Would mean one game, right? <laughs> well, it is a series now. There's now it's a two. Series. There's two out. So nobody played the first game because it looked gorgeous or it was this right. technical machine that everyone fawned over and right it was by uh, you know, the other half of deus ex basically you know, it was harvey, right. harvey smith coming back and yeah doing something you know the, the thief guy came yeah. back and did something awesome is what it was about and here's the thing about this game if you like the first dishonor you're gonna like this a lot you'll probably you'll like it more probably than the first dishonored because it plays the same it does have some more refinements to it if you didn't like Dishonored, you're not going to like this either. There are there really aren't any changes or updates to it that are significant enough to make it feel like a superior game. I don't even know if it is superior, to be honest with you. It's just kind of the same. Like The one thing I didn't like about the first Dishonored, and I don't like about this one, is the hand-to-hand, person-to-person combat. I feel completely detached from it. And I think a big part of it is sound design. Like, when you... Like, there's blocking and parrying in this. And if you time your block at the right time, like, it'll it'll stagger the enemy and it gives you, like, an opening to, to come in and attack and basically just finish them off. So you block an attack with the R1 and then that staggers them. Then you get close enough to them and hit R2 and then that'll finish them off with, like, one move. And it feels great. I mean, obviously, any, any, any finisher in any game generally feels great, but the ones in this game are really fast. And you don't spend a lot of time, like, messing around, which is good because a lot of times you're getting attacked by, like, three or four guys at once. So spending a ton of time trying to finish somebody off really wouldn't work well with the way the game works as far as the other enemies in the game. But it's really hard to tell if you're getting the timing right with your blocks and your staggers because when you block somebody, they don't jump back a whole lot. Like, their sword will ricochet off your sword or whatever, but that happens anyway if you're just blocking and you aren't timing it correctly. So it's hard to tell whether you've just blocked or whether you staggered, I guess is the best way to put it. So there's lots of times where I think I've staggered an enemy and you have to rush in to do the finishing move. And then I rush in and they're like, oh no, you dude, I'm not staggered. And they just like slash you like right in the throat. And so the feedback that I'm getting 
as the player, at least in the, the early going of the game, is not what I would hope for as far as knowing if I'm executing what I think I'm executing. Um, getting attacked by more than one guy is really, really challenging and a recipe for disaster. The enemies are crazy alert. So in a lot of games, you know, sometimes you could be like 40 or 50 yards away from an enemy and kind of slide into the bushes and they may not know you're there. Oh no, they, they know you're there. There are even times where I would hide like behind a wall and someone would be coming walking down the road and they would know that I was like behind the wall and just come around <laughs> and like attack me like right away. Like, I had that, you know, because I played some of the first one uh, last week and this week and like that's, that's there in that too, like where... You know, I'm up on a on a ledge, like on the third story, like this, and I've got like my silent crossbow with a sleep dart aimed at the guy, like over here, and I fire, and instantly the other two guys that are with him both look right at me. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, it's an, and of course that's why quick save, quick save, quick save, which I don't think is a very fun way to play a game. No, and that's exactly what you have to do in this game. And the quick save in this, I think there there is a hot key that you can use. There's like a button combo that you can use to quick save, mm. but it just shows you like. They know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've watched their testers play the game, and they're like, man, you can just get killed out of nowhere in this game for no good reason. And I saw, like, Pete Hines on Facebook or on Twitter, like, his number one tip for playing this game was quick save, quick save, quick save. And I get it, because the checkpoints in this game are brutal. Because here's the thing, like, you have to be very methodical about this game. You can't just run in with your sword and slash everybody up and shoot everybody and, like, wipe them out. Like, you have to go person by person, survey the situation, and then act accordingly based upon the abilities that you have, which is what I love about the game. But man, like, the checkpoints are rough. Like, there's a couple of times I've been playing this and I died and I'm like, screw that. Like, I just don't even want to go back and play it. And mm -hmm. I'll pick up Pokemon and start playing Pokemon. Like, there's a lot about this game that makes it feel old, I guess is the best way I could put it. Like, well, it, I, my problem with the first one, and I, I like I said, I it was resolved a little bit playing on PC because instead of 30 seconds reloading when I screw up, it's four seconds, which is better. Yeah. But, like, I always felt like Dishonored was judging me for how I wanted to play it. And, like, clearly it didn't want me to get in combat. Clearly I'm supposed to sneak my way through this. Clearly I'm not supposed to kill anybody if I don't have to. Because uh, if you kill too many people, you get the bad ending anyway. Yeah. Um, so, like, that was kind of what I was hoping for Dishonored 2 was, like, a less judgy game about, like... Because, like, look, at a certain point in Dishonored, <clears throat> I was just, like, you know, I was trying to do the non-lethal thing, and finally I, this part that was so frustrating that I knew, and I knew I could get through it if I just stabbed everybody to death because stabbing is so much faster than choking. Yeah. So I'm just, like, I just killed everybody. I'm just, like, fine, I'm done. Like, <clears throat> I'm not going to do that anymore. And, like, it was annoying to me because I felt like I had to give up on how the game wanted me to play, to play how I wanted to, and it was just the whole time I was at odds with how the game wanted to be designed. I don't have the patience or the time of my life to play a non-lethal walkthrough <laughs> of this. I just don't. Well, yeah, because like, it feels like you're supposed to play it lethal first and then try to do non-lethal when you know how everything works. And I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to play you twice. Give and one thing I will say is the more I played the game, the more I liked it. Mm. As you start to pile on the abilities and you don't have to rely so much just on your sword, it became more fun. Mm. And more varied, obviously. Um, so it is one of those games that like, and I say this on, the, I've said this on the show before, like I like the old school style of games where they get better as they go. And I feel like games have kind of lost that. So that's one part of this game that's a throwback that I actually like is that it becomes more engaging and more fun as you go on. But man, does it start slow mm -hmm. and man, does it start sluggish 
And man, does it feel really <laughs> old when you first start playing it. It feels like a game from last gen and the early part of last gen mm -hmm. before they started figuring if, out some of the contrivances. If they make another one of these, you need to stop starting this without the blink ability. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Like, that's the game to me. It is the, it is the game. And it, the crazy part is right at the beginning, like... The guy uses the blink right in front of you. Mm -hmm. But then, like, if you actually choose to play as him, you don't have the blink. Well, it's because like, cause he gets the, his abilities right. taken away. Yeah. Like, the, that, the queen, well, like that girl just goes, like, sucks the. the yeah, we didn't even really set up him. the whole plot of this. So, basically, what happens is, like, your long lost aunt shows up. You're the queen. Right. Your long lost. Who was the little girl you rescued in the first game. Right. Now she's become the queen, and she's uneasy in her position. She feels like she's not qualified for it. She's not ready for it. Well, as luck would have it, the her aunt shows up. Her mother's long-lost sister mm -hmm. shows up and Assuming is like... Assuming she is right. she said she Well, is. it doesn't really matter, right? right? Because her army comes in and just takes over. She basically takes the crown. Yeah, she has her. robots. Right. <laughs> like 20-foot-tall robots. 20-foot-tall bladed clockwork robots. Yeah. And she basically takes the throne, and then the whole object of the game is to reclaim the throne. Mm. And I'm sure there are probably people have seen that whole. It's probably a hashtag. Yeah. Reclaim and you get the to throne. pick. You pick either Emily or Corvo, who's right. the guy from the first one, and whoever you don't pick gets frozen in the, like in that sh shot we saw. Yeah, it took three frames, and then you have to figure your shit out. Right. But to make Corvo not super awesome after he'd gone through the first game, there's a quick shot where she. He his he gets his mystical abilities from the outsider by the, his little tattoo on his hand in the first game, and you see her like suck it off him. Yeah, and then he like kind of goes, <laughs> he kind of goes, what the heck? Like, looks at you like, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> like now I'm just a dude with a sword. Yeah, and uh, and that's why I didn't pick him. Yeah, but I think this is another one of those games where I think a lot of people had hopes that maybe some of the issues from. The first installment might be rectified to make mm -hmm. it more palatable to them. But I, you know, if you didn't like the vibe and the style of the first Dishonored, you're not going to like this one either. Um, it is a sequel, and people will say, well, it's Dishonored 2. It should be just like Dishonored mm -hmm. 1. But, uh, I mean, there's a reason the first game did not sell exceptionally well. It's because there's a lot of people that this style of game did not resonate with. Um, I think people who have actually given it a chance and play it, I think that they will find that eventually they'll grow to like it. Mm. Uh, but I, you know, it, it took me a good four hours before I really started getting into it and enjoying it. I felt like the first few hours of the game, I was only playing it because I had to. Because I'm like, okay, I have to do the eval for this. I need to talk about it on Game Face. Mm. I'm glad that I had that, though. I'm glad that that got me through those rough first few hours and got me into kind of the meat of the game. Um, because otherwise I probably would have just given up and been like, this is, because I didn't finish the first Dishonored. And I felt like I was kind of headed in that same direction with this one uh, when I first started playing it. So, technically, it's no Marvel. Um, the art style, you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. Uh, but uh, I feel like people who do place kind of a, an importance on gameplay over frivolity in, in video games, they'll find something here that, that, that will resonate with them and that they'll stick with. Just So what would you say, like, in terms of someone who, you know, likes to play these sort of uh, stealth plus combat plus play how you want sort of RPG narrative-driven things like this or, like, Deus Ex Mankind Divided? Would you, would you compare those two? Or would you... Oh, yeah, they're very comparable. Um, this is the indie version <laughs> and deus ex is like the triple a version mm. deus ex is way more polished 
May, way more visually impressive. Um, way more fleshed out world, I would say. Mm -hmm. Not as far as art style and what you're looking at, but as far as like the people that you're interacting with. There's a lot more interaction with other people in Deus Ex. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, you're kind of like this lone wolf and it's kind of a solo thing. So, Which is funny considering like they stated that exploring sort of the setting of Dunwall was like more, like something they wanted to do better in this one. Yeah. But I feel like there's not a lot to Dunwall beyond like they sure use whale oil for a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's about I mean, it feels it. like it's set in the same universe as Bioshock Infinite in a lot of ways. It, I feel it's like it, weird could, it could be like the century like, before Bioshock. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's prob it's pro somewhere in there, there's probably a man and a girl in a lighthouse. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, I guess there technically is in this one. But it's a slow burn. It you know it took me a while to really get into this game, and now I am into it, and I'm totally going to finish it, and I'm excited about going home tonight to play it and all that. I eagerly await the patch that makes me able to play able it. Able to play it. But it, like I said, it was a rough first few hours with the game, uh, coming to grips with it. Uh, it seemed like the less I had to rely on the melee combat, the more I liked it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So... I'm not finished with it yet. I don't know how long it is. I haven't really looked it up to see how long it is. But you can always go back and play the game again as the other character that you didn't choose from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they're, they play pretty similar to each other. But they do have kind of nuances that, yeah. that make it different. I do, I do think, uh, or I've been told, that Emily is a better first pick because she can get higher. Her abilities take her... Like uh, she got more verticality, yeah. and the city is so vertical that like you can see, you can do a little more with that. I just and chose her because she's a new character, right? We've done Corvo, yeah. So, uh, but you know, he's probably got his own things. I'll, I don't know if I'll ever play it a second time, but I do intend to try to get through it at least once because I never did finish Dishonored One. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean. It feels the game. There's a little bit of jank in this game. I guess is the best way to put it. Like there's there's, it's not a really polished game from really any perspective. There's just a, it's got a little bit of an edge everywhere. Like it just the weapons don't feel immediate. You're not feeling that like visceral feedback from the combat. Like whether it's the sound effects or you need some kind of a visual like signifier or something to let you know. It just. Sometimes it just feels like you're just waving it in the wind and like your sword has no weight to it and it's like a paintbrush, you're just like sliding back and forth. I don't know how to explain it. But I think when no, I get what you mean. I mean, off the first one, I, I always felt like it had a little, uh, it was a little soft. Yeah, there's no like weight yeah. to it, I guess, is yeah. the best way to it. It felt like that, that, that sword should bite harder yeah. and it just, it doesn't. And I think the, the sound design is a big part of it. Like you just don't feel like the oomph from it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, also, I think the same thing in between, you know, like the, like the drop kills and stuff in the first one. I always felt like the sword had no weight or power to yeah. it. When you, when you stuck it into someone, it just sort of went in. There was no, you're right. There was no sound effect. There was no bass thump. There was no blood. Of, you know, it was just sort of like, it kind of went. Like, yeah. It, it just it was, went in like they, yeah. the body isn't there. Yeah. Like you don't see there's like no, that slight slowdown when yeah, it Yeah. There's no in. force to the animation. Like, there's just. It's attention to detail. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, that's the type of stuff that you see in games like Call of Duty that people don't notice until it's not there. Mm -hmm. And they may not even notice then. They're like, there's something off about this. I don't know what it is. Actually, but... you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the com the sword combat in The Witcher 1. Okay. Where, like, you know, yeah, point yeah, right. where he would just, like, swing the sword around and yeah, it just yeah. sort of, like, sometimes it impacted the guy and sometimes it didn't. And, like, you couldn't really tell this what was This is very doing. similar. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm liking the game. Stay tuned for my eval. I just wanted to drop this on you guys for those of you who may be sitting on the fence wondering if you should buy it or not. 
If you like the first Dishonored, dive on in. If you haven't, I would wait for my eval. So it's time for our trailer of the week and wrap the show up. This is a really short trailer, so make sure you start getting in those questions right now. Uh, this was a really bad week for trailers, by the way. Hmm. But the one that we do have is really cool. So every year... Pretty good for movie trailers, though. Yeah. It has been an amazing week Go for check out trailers. that Kong Skull Island thing. Yeah, it looks good. Um, so every year, Sony puts out like this holiday PlayStation commercial, this live-action thing. And they've done it for years and years in a row now. And what they do is they take their games and some of their biggest characters, and they put them into the real world. Mm. And this is this year's version of that commercial. I think it's called like PlayStation The King Trailer. Mm. Let's roll it. Love it. How many games did you spot in there, Matt? Like four. Well, there was Doom is in there at the Doom? end. Okay. Uh, I saw. Well, I saw I God of War and uh, Horizon and um, what was the other one? Spider Man. Spider Man. Spider Man looked pretty good. It's crazy that they're starting to they put Spider Man in there. Well, it's like six months out. Is it six months out? Spider-Man, the, the movie comes out July July 4th weekend, so it's coming. It's soon. Actually, I guess maybe it's more surprising that they put God of War in there, considering how much yeah, longer it's going to be until we not play that for like another two or three years. So uh, I, I think God of War is the end of next year. You think so? Yeah. Really? I think, it's, I think it's fall 2017. It looked pretty far along. It might slip to February 2018, but I right. think they're, they're going to tell us it's fall at E3. Okay. That's my guess. We shall see. Uh, let's see if we have any questions. Um, here's one from Swanson. What's up, Swanson? Always on the stream and asking questions. Uh, what are your thoughts about the EEA CES data this week where he thinks gaming is going in the 2020s and merging with real life? Do you agree or disagree? I hope it doesn't go the way he thinks it will. I use gaming to get away from the real world. I, didn't, I did not see that quote. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't know what he's talking about. Um... Like, it makes me think of AR, so I'm like, yeah, that can't be what he meant. I mean, it could be. Apple is rumored to be working on AR hmm. technology right now. Um, maybe he can clarify. Yeah, maybe Swanson, you can uh, maybe give us a sentence or two explaining what you're talking about. Manny on the Moon. Post patches, which platform is best for Street Fighter V? Oof. <laughs> um, is it PS4 or PC? You know, I don't know if there's a consensus on that yet. Uh, I have PS4 just because there seem to be more people more on people, it, and yeah. I already had the stick. Um, I think that's all you need to say. Yeah. I think it's PS4. I mean, if you want to have a big community to play against, although I don't know how big it is now. It's still there, but it's like it's the enthusiast group. You know, it's it's the the pro tournament players for the most. By part. the way, 
I was right about Street Fighter Five sales. Oh right, I saw that. I saw that the digital was like maybe a hundred thousand more. It was nothing. No, I mean just overall how it was going to sell. I said it would do like three or four, and you said like ten or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's even got to three or four yet at this point. That game tanked hard. Yep. Well, they can probably find it cheap now. Maybe they probably should have finished it first. I guess. Yeah, it's probably a good idea for sure. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely go with uh, PlayStation 4, if anything, just for the community. And I have the PlayStation 4 version. It runs great. There are no problems. PC may run a little faster. PC looks better because the, the self-shadowing on the PS4 is this horrible dithering look. And it's, it's a smooth self-shadow on the PC. That's really the only major difference. It looks a little better, bells and whistles-wise. Killzone 310, do you guys like Mega 64? What do you mean, do I like Mega 64? They worked with GT for years and years. Don't you guys remember how they used to do all that stuff for us over there? Um, yeah, love Mega 64. They, uh, mm -hmm. Their last episode wasn't great, I'll say that much. In fact, we didn't even curate it. It was, it was bad, I hate to say. <laughs> it was bad. I think it was the first bad Mega 64 I've ever watched, actually. Uh, but I love those guys. They're all good dudes. We've worked with them on a bunch of other projects, like some sponsorship stuff back in the GT days. Uh, what you guys, what you see on screen with those guys is what you get. Those aren't like bits or like parts that those guys are playing. They're just like legitimately fun guys. Uh, really creative. Um, I know when we were working on a project with them, like, uh, we asked them for like two ideas and they came back with like 12. So they, uh, they're really talented. They're really funny and they really love games. So yeah, I love Mega 64 to death. What say you, Matt? I don't really pay a lot of attention to them, but I will always... Uh, keep a small place for them in my heart for that Shenmue video they did way back in the day. Where they actually said, where the guy actually wandered around public yeah, places yeah. asking the ridiculous questions, and like one of the one of the women, one of the like the mothers he talked to said, "Are you? Did you get separated from your group?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, so I I I, def, I respect their balls uh, to go put themselves out there in the name of comedy. Yeah. Uh, here's one from the stand user. Uh, what are some of your favorite stealth-oriented games, Matt? <sighs> Not a huge stealth person, um, but I would say uh, it doesn't get much better than Thief 2. Yeah, Thief 2 is good. I love the original Tenchu stealth assassins on oh, PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like those a lot. I liked the first Splinter Cell because it was completely different. Mm. I don't know if I can go back and play it now. Yeah, the original Splinter Cells are a little clunky today. They are, but I mean, the concepts, like the, how they worked with the it shadows better, and everything, yeah. like, they actually made sense in how right. they worked. Uh, it was a very methodical to game. Similar to Thief with the, the light meter kind yeah. of idea. Um, yeah, I forgot about I love Tenchu. I actually imported the first Tenchu from Japan oh, really? and played that uh, without really knowing what the hell I was doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those first couple games were great. I played the hell out of Tenchu in college on PlayStation. Every once in a while, I still put the one on uh, from on uh, 360 in, which is not as good as the old ones, but it's the closest. It's certainly better than that Wii game, which was more of like a timed Maze Runner yeah, kind of thing. I don't know what the hell that was. Yeah, I would love to see Tenchu come back. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know. Well, I don't think Acquire makes those things anymore. I don't know what happened. I think that that license might be in limbo somewhere. They did make Shinobi Do 2, which is basically Tenchu in all but name yeah. on the Vita. Uh, and I did play that, and I liked it, but unfortunately it was on the Vita, so... I'm not a huge stealth guy. I don't have the patience for stealth Same. games, well, generally. As Adam, Adam Sassler used to say, like, the good stealth is the stealth that makes... Stealth games that make the gameplay centered around the fact that you're doing stealthy things. Right. Whereas bad stealth games are the same game you'd play otherwise, but slower. Yeah. 
and you know, and that's like good, good stealth is like designed around the idea that you're supposed to be sneaky. Bad stealth is like uh, just walks half as fast as you normally would and go through the same corridor otherwise. And so like. I've always like held that in my mind. It's like, is what I'm doing fun because I'm being stealthy, or would it be more fun if I could just run and kill the guy and not care if he sees me or not? Yeah. And uh, thief, I think thief embodies, it, ironically, because I think uh, dishonored comes out of a lot of the people that made thief. Um, I think thief one and two, especially two, just nail it. Yep. Uh, here's one from Helters. What comes first, a good Metroid or a good Castlevania? Mm-hmm. Um. That's a tough one. I don't think it is tough. It's Metroid. Uh, it's a tough one because... Again, I don't think we'll ever see another Castlevania. Of, well, that doesn't matter. He's, he's, he's asking what would you prefer, right? Oh, no, I think he's saying which one will be released first. Oh, I thought... Where, I what thought, comes first, a good Metroid or a good Castlevania? I thought he meant, like, which one do you prefer? Like, which comes first Which one would you mind? play first? Yeah. Because uh, in my... Well, look, I'm probably more of a Metroid fan, but... Uh, Castlevania is my girlfriend's favorite series, so if they did another Castlevania, she'd be happy for months, so that would be good for me. But if you're talking about what I want to play, Metroid. And if you're talking about what I think is going to actually exist, Metroid. Castlevania's gone. Yeah, Castlevania may be gone for good. Bloodstain may be the closest you're going to get to it. Also, uh, uh, Nolan Ellerick says all hopes of M uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 4 are gone. Do not be so sure. Uh-oh. Marvel's open to, to, to new games. I don't know if they're talking to Capcom or anything, but I don't, I don't think it's totally out of the... You, know, you wouldn't get any X-Men, but I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility right now. Uh, here's one from M.G. Riley. Do you guys think Sony and Microsoft hurt the publishers this holiday season by releasing so much new hardware? And I'm assuming what he's saying there is taking so much money out of the market, people are spending money on hardware when normally they wouldn't because they already own consoles. Mm -hmm. Do you think it hurts the publishers? Yeah, I think it does. People's budget is but it's finite. You know, you only have most people. Is that what caused the uh, drop in Call of Duty? Could be. It could be. I mean, it could be a number of things. Mm -hmm. But look, people have a finite amount of money to spend at the holidays, and if someone's going to spend three hundred dollars on a console, that's three hundred dollars that they could have spent on software. So yeah, I definitely think mm -hmm. that it um, has an effect. And let me go back a little quick. Disney owns Marvel, but Disney cannot dictate what Marvel can do. Marvel can make their deals for games independent of Disney, just like Lucasfilm can. So what Disney wants to do doesn't matter when it comes to the Marvel license for games. Uh, w. Matthew, NVIDIA had a 60% year-over-year profit for the second year in a row. Given that in the, in the declining sales of console hardware, what do you think of the state of things? State of PC hardware? Hmm... Where is it? I'm looking for it. I think you should buy NVIDIA yeah. stock, is what I think. Yeah, I think uh, NVIDIA is is the, the, the one to beat right now, for sure, and will be for the foreseeable Oh, and future. just wait until it starts manufacturing all those GPUs for Switch. Yeah. I mean, yeah, NVIDIA I don't know if NVIDIA place. is a long-term hold, but I would buy NVIDIA stock mm -hmm. because it is going to have a good next two years, three yeah. years for sure. No, no doubt. I'm not responsible if you buy NVIDIA yeah, stock but, and I it mean, tanks, by the way. I mean, be ready to, to bail at any That's my any recommendation. <laughs> I, think, I think NVIDIA is in a good place. That, right yeah, now. that's my way of saying I think they're going to be a successful company for several years to come. Don't go buy it and then have it tank and hate me. Uh, let's see, maybe we can answer one or two more. This, the, the, I'm continuing this, this, this Marvel thing with uh, to a Nolan Ellerick, Fox only owns the X-Men rights for the movies, but that means that N Marvel does not want to promote X-Men stuff because it doesn't do them any good at the box office, which is where their big money is right now. So if they made another Marvel, any really anything, 
they would not have X-Men in it. And the one exception is Marvel Heroes, because that gazillion's license for that predates the basically the X-Men and uh, uh, Fantastic Four blackballing uh, of the movie era. So that's why you will still see X-Men stuff in that. But you will notice you, they don't really, they didn't do anything special for the X-Men when Apocalypse came out, but every time a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie comes out, they do like a you know, Doctor Strange pack or you know, a Luke Cage thing when the Netflix thing happens. It's a, it's a weird situation right now, but it looks like the uh, ice is thawing between Fox and Marvel a little bit right now. That was, apparently that was the deal was um, Negasonic Teenage Warhead in the Deadpool movie. They had to change her powers and they had to get Marvel's approval for that. And the trade they made was that Marvel got to use Ego the Living Planet in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is under the Fa- Fantastic Four license. So there is... There is conversation happening between (laughs) Fox and Marvel, and I think at some point when Fox finally decides to give up and reboot the X-Men, you'll see some discussion happening. All right, here's the last question. It's a really good one. Vox91, do you think EA might be trying to devalue Respawn with the botched release of Titanfall 2 to possibly try and acquire them in the future at a reduced asking price? No. No. Probably not. Because if they were doing that, they wouldn't have given the Star Wars license to respawn. Yeah. They yeah. would have if waited. That was the plan. They would have waited, acquire them, and then turn them into a Star Wars factory. And then gave them the Star Wars license. Yeah, yeah. then they would have turned them into a Star Wars sweatshop, and that would have been the end of it. Which they'd probably be happy with anyway. Which might, yeah. I mean, after Titanfall's sales, they might have to do that anyway to some degree. But I do not think they will purchase respawn. I think Vince will kill a man before he lets that happen. So, yep. um, yeah, I'm not worried about that. All right, one thing before we go. The store is almost done. What? Yep. I just looked it's been at it. It's a long yes. time since we heard about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It is, uh, the only thing that's left is the checkout page. But the whole store and ordering and all that is all done. It should be live any day now. Um, it will definitely be ready to rock before Black Friday. Uh, so save your penny so you can buy sifted shirts coming up very soon. I'm really excited about that. I've had these boxes <laughs> And boxes of t-shirts sitting in the spare bedroom of my apartment for like four months now. My wife will be very happy when you guys buy the shirts and they're gone. <laughs> Let me tell you, she has reached the end of her rope with all those boxes back there. So uh, I think that's it. Oh, uh, next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Mm. Um, we give you some bonus time on this week's yeah. episode for Thanksgiving. Not sure 100% what's going on. Matt's going to be in town. I'm going to be in town. He's leaving for Thanksgiving. Sam, um, we'll try to work something out. Uh, but obviously, uh, just look out on the site, on social media, and we'll let you guys know what's, what's going down. We're going to try to make something happen next week. Um, oh, and I'm on uh, this week's Joe on Joe podcast again. Oh, cool. Uh, if anyone saw that G.I. Joe thing from a few weeks ago, just look up Joe on Joe podcast on, uh, on iTunes, and it's the Bazooka Saw a Sea Serpent episode. There you go. Um, we will not do something on Thanksgiving Day, by the way. So it will not be next Thursday. It'll either be Wednesday or Friday or something like that. So and we got to pick a day for Bloodborne. Yeah, that's going to be in December, though. December, yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely make that happen. I'm not, I'm not going to bow out <laughs> and not do it. I'm totally prepared. I'm preparing myself mentally and spiritually. I even dug out my Bloodborne game. I have it still. I have the disc and everything. I hope my save is still there. Although I may want to just start from scratch. Oh, you're starting we'll over. Yeah. We'll see. But that's it for us. Everybody have an excellent weekend, evening, morning, (laughs) wherever the hell you are right now. Swanson wants to know if he's banned from the site. Can he still buy shirts? Yes, (laughs) he can. 
anybody can buy shirts. You don't have to be a member or anything. The site is open to everyone. So, yeah. Good. It's good business. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. At some point, Game Face is up and out.